York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight now. And Danielle at dinner time, if you will. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up until Nets pregame here on The Fan at 8.20 p.m. On this short show on this snowy but cozy Saturday night here in the Big Apple, the greatest city in the world. Quick shout out to every single person listening right now that is either hunkered down at home with the radio on. Thank you. Or to every single person that is out there hustling right now with a snow plow on the front of your vehicle. Thank you. We appreciate you. Tweet me at Coach MCCARTAM with your setups with where you're listening right now. And I'll be sure to hit repeat, uh, retweet as a thank you, everybody. So on this NFL championship weekend, Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. And you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones at 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only. And a programming note, MLB.com executive reporter and MLB Network insider Mark Feinsand will join us, I believe, at 7.20 p.m. to discuss the Hall of Fame vote and the absolute latest in MLB's lockout. And as we look out our windows at this snow, we can't help but wonder how soon spring training, that's air quotes, spring training, will get here. Hopefully sooner rather than later with this lockout. Uh, And I also just wanted to take a second, if I may, to say that we're all New Yorkers, right? So there was something... That literally stopped me in my tracks last night on, on you know on the news cycle. I was walking past my TV and it was coverage of the funeral for that NYPD officer, now Detective First Grade Jason Rivera. He, you know, as you know, he, he was a 22 year old kid that was gunned down in the line of duty in Harlem, and the videos of that sea of blue that lined Fifth Ave for blocks and blocks. To honor that unsung hero, Jason Rivera, and those officers were from all over. It was just real emotional to see. So may he and his partner, Wilbert Mora, rest in peace. And for those of you out there right now keeping this city and the areas around it safe for all of us, all of us, thank you. Just some perspective for all of us as we get set to discuss and argue about sports for the next three hours and change. And, you know, with that... Let's kick it off with the huge news. It's a local show. We'll start there first, and we'll get to Tom Brady towards the end of the monologue here. The huge news first coming out of the Giants hiring of a head coach just last night. If you're a fan of my show, you know that I only use this song for the people that I am most excited about being hired here. Brian Dayball, you are getting the Taylor Swift treatment. Welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. Yeah, I think the Giants fans know exactly what they're getting with the Sean, a Sean Dable one-two punch. Welcome to New York, Brian Dable. It's been waiting for you. It's been a long time coming for this Giants team. And you know what? Hashtag Giants Pride was trending on Twitter at 8.21 p.m. last night. Maybe I just didn't see it, but I consider myself pretty plugged into this. I don't remember... Hashtag Giants Pride trending one single time throughout this entire season. And um, Giant fans are smart. And as of last night, they know their team got it right. And that's evidenced by that Giants Pride trending at 821 on Twitter last night. Because you know what? Not at any point, not in any season for the past five years, did the Giants ever have a winning record. That's nuts. 
They are the only team in the entire NFL to not have a single week where they sat above 500 in any of the past five years. That's crazy. So welcome to New York, Brian Dable. It's been waiting for you. Let's give Brian Dable the Taylor Swift treatment here tonight, everybody. Steve Tisch said in a statement, in the end, it was obvious that Brian Dable has spent his career preparing for this moment. He is creative, thoughtful, determined, and Joe and Brian are the perfect complement to each other. We will do everything we can to support their process as they build toward the 2022 season and well after that. End quote from Steve Tisch. You know, some current Giants players took to Twitter to welcome Brian Dable to the team. Darius Slayton said, let's ride. Julian Love said, yes, sirree. And Logan Ryan said, in Dable, we trust. Of course, that's true because he won five Super Bowls as a Patriots assistant coach. And I think with Logan Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, I got to look at the timelines there. But Dable, anyway, has got 21 seasons of NFL coaching experience. In Dayball, we trust. Yeah, I would too, Logan Ryan. You know, Dayball was the Bills offensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021. In that time period, the Bills offense was top three in scoring in each of the most recent two seasons. And and don't look now, Giants fans. I don't want to depress you. But let's just say that the Giants are on the opposite end of that over the past three seasons, shall we? There are some naysayers out there, though, and I don't understand why. You know, I guess everybody's got to have an opinion. I mean, Derek Jeter was not unanimously unanimously selected to the Hall of Fame. There was at least one naysayer for Derek Jeter's election to the Hall of Fame. So, of course, there's going to be those miserable people on Twitter that are going to naysay and nitpick uh, uh, Brian Dable and his, uh, his, his tenure as an offensive coordinator. What they point to were his offensive rankings as offensive coordinator, beginning like all the way back like a decade ago. So let's point them out too. The naysayers point out that, that the two seasons that Dable had with the Browns, his offense ranked 32nd and 29th in the league. Facts. But what they failed to acknowledge, those naysayers, was that his starting quarterbacks that season, those seasons, I guess, were Brady Quinn and Derek Anderson. Yeah. The naysayers pointed Dable's first season, or one single season with the Dolphins, where his offense ranked 20, uh, 20th in the league. But what the naysayers don't want to tell you, what they don't want to acknowledge, was the fact that within that one season, Brian Dable brought the Dolphins back from having the 30th ranked offense to being ranked 20th. That season, Dable had Chad Haney as his main starting quarterback with Tyler Thigpen, Thigpen hmm? and Chad Pennington each getting a game. The naysayers also want to point to Dable's one season with the Chiefs where his offense ranked 32nd in the league. Okay, but that year he had Matt Castle and Brady Quinn to work with as his starting quarterbacks. Again, yeah, exactly. So to those naysayers, I say, be glad that Brian Dable was able to work himself out elsewhere. Be thankful he didn't come to New York green and ready to learn. Because honestly, there really should be no learning on the job allowed here in New York at all. Especially in the prime time. Steve Cohen will tell you that much, right? So did Dable make Josh Allen or did Josh Allen make him? 
That's something I'm sure we'll debate coming up tonight. I saw a story that Buffalo Bills' Isaiah McKenzie told the other day to Syracuse.com. It really gets to the crux of who Brian Dable is as a coach. The short story is this. McKenzie, not a superstar by any means, was benched after a fumbled kickoff return. He didn't play for the next two weeks, and when he did play again, Sean McDermott stripped him of his kick return and punt return jobs. But he returned to the lineup. He had a great game against the Patriots, and after that game, McKenzie said, Dable is running down towards me in the locker room with the biggest smile on his face, like jumping, knees up. He slapped my hand and he hugged me and said, I love you and I'm proud of you. You know, Isaiah McKenzie never met his parents. His grandmother raised him, and he continued on to say, Dable was my coach, but he treated me like a son, and I appreciate him for that. Hmm. And of course, also happening this week, there were a lot of things to like from the new Giants general manager, Joe Shane's opening press conference. He came across as nervous, which is a good thing, but extremely humble, which is a stark contrast to the outgoing general manager, Dave Gettleman. A couple things, you know, that, that I watched and liked. I mean, he said, we are going to be aligned in our plan and our vision in building a winning team. He thanked his family for all the sacrifices that they made over the years. And this is a quote, in allowing me to chase my dream. He said he corrected one of the reporters who asked about belief in analytics. He called it data innovation. And he said, I believe in it, any tool. If it's going to help us in the draft process with evaluations, in the free agency process with evaluations, or contract value, who do those players compare to? If it's going to help us with our practice schedule to keep the guys healthy and keep the guys on the field, you have to be open-minded to the info. It's a piece of the puzzle. So, That's a plus for me as well. Believing in the analytics to the sense of like, not like, uh, you know, when to go for it, when to not. 99% of the time it it occurs here. No, it's analytics in the sense of player development. And if you're a fan of the show, you know that I am a fan of analytics in the form of player development. I always point to the pitchers that that have, you know, used driveline baseball to to help their their deliveries and, and their pitch selections and developing new pitches and all that. I'm so I'm, I'm such a nerd when it comes to that. And apparently, so is Joe Shane too, which is great. And, and someone, you know, compared, okay, the, the Bills, you got him back to the playoffs. What about the Giants? And he said, an entire building working towards a common goal is what, common goal is what Buffalo had. Getting the right people in the right seats with a common goal in mind, that's what we had in Buffalo. And I'm going to extend that to say, That's what he plans to do in New York. Technically, New Jersey, right? So, you know, he said that Bill Parcells also told him it's the best job in the league. And probably the most important thing that I noticed that that, that Joe Shane said in his opening press conference, he said that he is, there's a quote, being given all the resources to try to build the team. That was very attractive to me, end quote. There is hands-off, laissez-faire ownership, allowing the GM, allowing now the head coach, Brian Dable, to do as they see fit to to jumpstart and kickstart this team into the 20-whatever, we're in 21st century. I can never figure that out. But into 2022 and beyond. 
They are being given all the resources to try to build a team. That should be music to a Giants fan's ears. And then Dan Orlovsky on Friday said on Twitter, I, I heard midweek that Dable absolutely loved Daniel Jones. Makes sense now. Good for him and good for Daniel Jones. And I'm sure we're going to get into that as well tonight. Daniel Jones absolutely should be the quarterback for the Giants for 2022 at least. Tell you my reasoning coming up in a little bit. And and from, from the Giants and the news that they've made over the past three days, including last night, to another event that happened last night at the Garden. Henrik Lundqvist, King Henrik, whose shirt I'm wearing right now as we speak, watched like the rest of us as his number 30 was lifted to the rafters at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, never to be worn again by another New York Ranger. Lundqvist took New York City by storm when his 15-year career with the Rangers began, and there were not many dry eyes in the garden last night as the max capacity crowd of 18,006 chanted, Henrik, Henrik, intermittently throughout the entire beautiful ceremony. If you were there last night, I want to hear from you at 877-337-6666. And again, I wasn't there during the media availability, you know, I, I didn't have the, the enough forethought to think to ask for that, or else I, I should have. I really should have. But Lundqvist himself, according to some tweets, he, he was tearing up in the press room before the ceremony even began last night. And Lundqvist, besides being an absolute dominant force in the Rangers' goal crease for as long as I can remember, he joins an elite club of 10 other Rangers to have their jersey number retired. But he also joins an even more elite club of players to have their numbers retired after having played for only one single New York team. Guys like Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, Eli Manning, and now joining the club, Henrik Lundqvist. They are, those guys are special to our city. They are the guys that did it right, the guys that showed intense loyalty to our city. And in the sports landscape in the past decade or so, you know that's not the case. And those guys received the loyalty from the fans in return tenfold. You know, it, it's a big weekend for guys that were picked at number 199 overall. Henrik Lundqvist, fresh off having his jersey lifted to the rafters, is now waiting on the eventual call from the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? And while Friday night was dedicated to the only guy to wear 30 ever again for the Rangers, Saturday, in some very recent developments, Saturday today, is dedicated to another guy selected at 199 overall, Mr. TB12, Tom Brady. Now, Brady, unlike Lundquist and the others that I just mentioned, did not play his entire career for one team. All he did was dump the Patriots for the palm trees of Tampa Bay and bring a Super Bowl championship to the team in his first season with them. And you know what? I kind of like it in a way because I like that we all, fans of football, got to see Tampa Tom, tequila drinking Tom. I like that. Not the buttoned-up Patriot, Tom. But having won a championship on two different teams, does that add to or detract from this specific case, the Tom Brady case? To me, it, it sort of kind of detracts from it in a way. He realized that despite having Bill Belichick as a head coach, 
New England was a sinking ship, and he jumped off that ship as fast as possible. He picked his own ready-made landing spot, and that was the final piece of the puzzle for an already locked and loaded Bucks team. Now, this Brady retirement and speculation that's been going on today, I'll tell you how it started. I mean, first, just before this past season began, Brady said, and this is a quote, hopefully I'll be here a long time for many years, end quote. And it seems as though after their three-point loss to the Rams just six days ago, the GOAT, or at least one of them, has found greener pastures. And Tom Brady, as much as it pains me to say this, is the best quarterback that I've ever seen play the game of football. Laura Oakman, a great mentor of mine, in week 16 asked Tom Brady, when it's time, which part of you do you think will have the biggest say in your decision, your body, your head, or your heart? And Tom gave a different answer. He said, I, it won't be my heart or my body. There are other priorities in my life. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old boys who deserve my time and a 9-year-old princess who deserves my time. I'm getting older. And while I think I could play to 50, I think it's that's too long for me. I'm closer to the end. End quote from Tom Brady after week 16 to Laura Oakman. Now, Tom Brady with seven Super Bowl wins, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, Career touchdown pass leader, career passing yards. He, he he seemed to, earlier this morning and even late this afternoon, call it a career after 22 NFL seasons. And while Tom Brady was 31-8 against the Jets in his career, inflicting a literal lifetime of pain for Jets fans around my age, 33 years, Giants fans can say, thanks for the memories, and point to their most recent two Super Bowl trophies. And now Jason LaConfora kicked off the rumor mill earlier this morning around 10.45 a.m. saying that a Tom Brady decision was likely to come this upcoming week. But the cat was really out of the bag, or so we thought, with an Adam Schefter tweet at 2.45 p.m.-ish. And you know, my dad and I were watching what turned out to maybe be his last game last weekend, and we both kind of teamed up with this. And we were talking about how Brady was missing guys, like, by a lot, which is obviously uncharacteristic for him. And then, not five minutes later, the camera focused on Brady sitting on the sideline unbuckling his helmet. With his left hand, he undid the left side of his chin strap, and when he reached with his left hand across his body to unbuckle the right side, he was struggling. Why not just lift up your throwing right arm to do it? I'm wondering if he was hurt and in Tom Brady fashion not saying anything about it. I hope that someone asks him about that in the potentially uh, last final press conference, maybe about playing hurt in that final game. We'll see what happens. But my hope for him is that if, in fact, it is the end of the road for Tom Brady, that he stays up past 8.30 p.m. tonight, he eats an entire plate of pasta with seconds and an entire bowl of ice cream. F that TB12 diet. So what's next for the Bucks? Well, A, Tom Brady could be back next season. B, maybe they take a new starting quarterback in a draft. But unlikely, I'd say, because they have the 27th overall pick in a draft not known for quarterbacks. But again, Brady himself was picked at 199. And my cousin, the Bucks fan who lives near Tampa, already texted me and said that he would like if Aaron Rodgers would slide right in there and bring Adams with, with him. That's what he said. And with a quick, quick glance at the Bucks cap situation for next season, and especially if Gronk retires too, Tampa Bay could definitely accommodate an Aaron Rodgers salary. And he'd have to come via trade, though. So keep that in mind. 
there were just a few Twitter reactions of guys that maybe jumped the gun in and around the league and beyond. So you got Patrick Mahomes has a goat emoji. You know, A.J. Brown said, not the news you wanted to see today, but also appreciative to witness greatness. Congrats on the retirement, Tom Brady. Mike Evans says, thanks for everything, big bro. It was an honor with the goat emoji. You got Julian Edelman saying, thanks for the memories, babe. J.J. Watt says, greatest all time, without a shadow of a doubt. Enjoy the next chapter, Tom Brady, with the goat emoji. And I may be biased, but my mom, literally a non-football fan whatsoever at all, had the best one of them all. She said, oh, no. I guess I won't be a Tampa Bay fan anymore. Which team will she adopt? Stay tuned, I guess. But also stay tuned and cue the Leonardo DiCaprio in the Wolf of Wall Street gif. Apparently, he's not effing leaving. Tom Brady, hold the press, might not be leaving after all. Adam Schefter might have gotten it wrong. This is the soundtrack. Connor found it from the Wolf of Wall Street. Love it. You know the scene where he says he's not effing leaving and everybody in the office goes crazy. Because there are now multiple reports saying that the opposite of what LaConfora and Schefter have said. You got Mike Giardi saying, checked in with Tom Brady Sr. who tells me, and I quote, this story, Mike, is total conjecture. Tommy has not made a final decision one way or the other. And anyone else that says that he has, has it absolutely wrong. That's from Tom Brady Sr. to Mike Giardi. Then you got Michael Silver on the Bally Sports Report that says Tom Brady contacted Bucks GM and told him he has not yet made a final decision on retirement, disputing the ESPN report. He is respecting Brady's process and waiting for a definitive answer whenever it comes from the quarterback. And third, you got Tom Pelissero saying Tom Brady's father, agent, and team have not have now, sorry, now denied that Tom Brady has decided to retire and his company deleted a tweet. That doesn't mean Brady won't retire soon. He's 44 and acknowledged after last week's game that he will evaluate his future. Wowee, all of this happening within the past hour or so. So I invite you all. Let's get it going. I've set the table for you. I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time here on The Fan in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan with you till Nets pregame coming up around 820. So we got time here, everybody. Call me up at 877-337-6666. The Giants have a general manager. The Giants have a head coach. And the Giants' vision of a path back to winning football is becoming clearer and clearer each and every day. I truly believe it. And by now, you know I am not always 100% in on hirings around here, but there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Giants fan. John Mara and Steve Tisch absolutely got these two picks in Joe Shane and Brian Dable 1,000% correct. You know also that I don't speak in superlatives here as well. If, if you're a fan of the show, you know that. But they nailed it. Sound off, Giant fans. 877-337-6666. And a quick update from my mom. I asked her, are you still a Bucks fan? He might not be retiring, that, that Tom Brady, that is. And she wrote, it depends. <laughs> okay, Mom. My mom is a newfound Tom Brady fan. I don't know why. She never liked him in in, uh, in New England, but she likes him in Tampa Bay, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And Adam Schefter 
Might have jumped the gun on a report. Is that Adam Schefter jumping the gun with information that he knows? Is that Tom Brady uh, disappointed because he but wanted to be the one to break the news, break the internet, really, in all reality, you know? And I got a tweet on the on the break there, and then we'll get to your calls right after I read you this. Uh, James Kassan, four, at James Kassan, four. He is a loyal listener to the show. Very, he tweets me all the time. Appreciate it. But he says, I think, this is James, he says, I think Flores was and still is the number one hire. Well, James, you must not have been tuned in last week. Everything about Flores reports from from four or five different outlets ultimately all said the same thing about uh, Brian Flores. This is from uh, Jeff Darlington, ESPN. He said, the decision to fire Flores can be summed up with one word, relationships. His relationship with Greer and Tua Tungavailoa has deteriorated to a pretty bad place. Along with the constant staff changes, owner Steve Ross no longer saw Flores as a healthy fit for Miami. You want that cancer here in New York with, with, with your quarterback? Daniel Jones, who, by the way, deserves to stay on another year as a starter? Be challenged, but ultimately win the job, I think. CBS says that there's a really negative vibe down there. A lot of players do not trust him. Flo thinks he's a player's coach with an open-door policy. But I know a number of players who would tell you that they don't really think he's approachable or flexible. So, lots uh, of terrible things. Um, uh, Michael Lombardi, who was a former GM, said on the GM Shuffle podcast that Flores was confrontational with Tua. And then Lombardi said, the conversation was, if I knew you were going to be this bad, I would have taken Mac Jones. That's an end quote from Lombardi, Michael Lombardi. And after Twitter backlash, Lombardi said he misspoke. Um, how about we not deal with any of that drama and any of that bullcrap here in New York? Brian Flores, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And these reports from, like, how many? Four or five different outlets cannot all be classified as erroneous. And, and quite frankly, if any one of those things were true, and based on the the tone of the owner's statement when, when they released him, you don't want any part of Brian Flores. Stop it. He's not the answer. And and Giants ownership said that they asked about, they asked Brian Flores in the interview about how that all ended and how that all went down. I guess they didn't like the answer because I guess he didn't get the job. Hmm. And there's that. 877-337-6666 in the order that you call. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. What's up, Vernon? Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. So I see that we're talking about Brady here. <clears throat> In my personal opinion, I will not accept his resigning from football until he say it. Yeah. And he leaves. Now let's look at the situation with Brett Favre. Brett Favre said he's retiring. He started crying after retiring. He ended up coming back. Mm-hmm. Packers told him we moved on. He went on to they pushed him towards the Jets, and from the Jets he went on to play for the Vikings. It's an itch because a player says he doesn't want to play; he's going to leave. It is hard for a player to do that, right? And especially that's, that's all that they know, you know. Exactly. And please tell your cousin Aaron Rodgers is not coming down there to Florida. 
They're keeping him up here. And before I go, this is the last thing, because uh, you know this baseball season is coming up, and you have a chance to win the Yogi Bear baseball. Yes. However, I'm going to sweeten the pot. Oh, my God. What? So if you win the Yogi Bear baseball, all the baseballs comes with certificates. Mm-hmm. So if you win the Yogi Bear baseball, you can say, Vernon, I want to trade for one of your baseballs on the list. So I'll give you the list real quick All right. that you can trade for. Okay. The baseballs are signed by Joe DiMaggio, oh Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Michael Jordan, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Pete Rose, Nolan Ryan, Sandy Colfax, Whitey Ford, and David Wells will even put the PG of pitching the perfect game. On my birthday, May 17th. Yes. So you can end up trading it for one of these autographed baseballs. They all come with certificates. And uh, Vernon, for for the new listeners, what are the conditions of, of me winning this baseball? Well, you have to get a baseball tough question I'm going to give you. It's going to be very tough. Okay. So, and when I give you the question, they can listen to it. If you get it correct, you have Yogi Berra. And I'll say, here's my list again. Do you want to trade it or do you want to keep it? Like, let's make a deal. Oh, I so, like this. <laughs> so you can make that choice. So I'll give you a little quick, quick, quick uh, question right here. It's an easy one. The Mets are about a retired player who played for the 1986 World Series baseball player. What is his name? They're going to retire his number. What is his name? What number did he wear? And what position did he play? Uh, that is number 17, Keith Hernandez. Come on. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so you see, that's easy. See? So let's get Let's get ready for the... 2022, since the baseball season strike is over, get prepared because I'm going to give you a very tough baseball question. Oh, I'm ready for it, Vernon. I'm going to start studying up baseball (laughs) history from (laughs) (laughs) 18-whatever. Have a nice day. I appreciate it, Vernon. Thank you very much. And and, and number 17, obviously, is my number 17, so I obviously know that Keith Hernandez wore that. And uh, and now Aaron Boone wears it. So, obviously, I'm up to date on the 17s around the league. All right, everybody? That's my number. They're all wearing my number. I'm totally kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't get mad, Mets fans. I'm just kidding. All right, let's go to Fabian in Brooklyn. You're up next on The Fan. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I, I don't see the point of having a new GM and a new head coach if we're going to keep the same quarterback. Um, I think at best, Daniel Jones is a backup quarterback. I think the Giants should go after like Russell Wilson or a veteran quarterback. Forget about it. Russell Wilson, you want Fabian? Really, for real? I, 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 I think uh, you know since all the elite quarterbacks are retiring, you know the game is up for grabs. So let's get a solid, you know, quarterback with no doubt you know, that that we have no doubt in. Because you know, I, I think the thing is that Daniel Jones is a likable guy, and he's you know like 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 we we got to uh, uh, we got rid of uh, Odell Beckham Jr. not because he couldn't play, but because he was a bad apple. With Daniel Jones, you have nothing bad to say about him, but I don't know. I don't think we're going to win a championship with Daniel Jones. Listen, Fabian, Russell Wilson's thirty-three years old. He set this season to make twenty-four million dollars. A, where are you going to find twenty-four million dollars? Actually, yeah, twenty-four million dollars to pay him this season. And B, you're going to give up three first-round draft picks when your offensive line sucks to go and get him. 
Well, we don't have to get uh, Russell Wilson. We can get somebody else. Well, like who? I, I just think but, but, that but, but Daniel who? Jones is a backup quarterback. Who is it? But who else? Well, let's get Aaron Rodgers or oh, something. Aaron, oh, you want Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you think Aaron Rodgers is going to come at a cheaper price than Russell Wilson? Uh, I just don't like Daniel. I don't know. But, but no, answer the question. Aaron Rodgers is set to make $46 million this year. Where are you going to find that money? That's like double Wilson. And the trade well, I just don't get, I don't get why, 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 why we got a new GM and head coach and all that. Then. But, but then what is the alternative? They him because he brought in these players. What is the but what is the alternative to Daniel Jones? We just went through how Russell Wilson is unattainable, how Aaron Rodgers is unattainable. Who else are you bringing in? He, they're not on the table. We're going to get Wilson Wilson this year. Okay, mark my words. Okay, Thank Fabian, you for the call. Fabian, you you call me back when when the Giants get Russell Wilson. You call me back. Yes, I'll wait for it. Thank you. Yes, I, I will wait for that call, Fabian. Not happening. Not happening. Not happening. Nor do you want it to, Giants fans. Nor do you want it to. Russell Wilson, at least three first-round draft picks. You're going to mortgage the future for a 33-year-old quarterback when your offensive line is in shambles, absolute shambles. And he he complains about not having enough weapons there. He's got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. He's got all the weapons there in, in, in Seattle. And he's complaining he doesn't have any weapons. Yeah? Oh, come to New York. Yeah, that'll be better. That'll be a better situation for you, Russell Wilson. Come on, man. Fabian, you're better than that. No, the Giants are never getting Russell Wilson. No, the Giants forget about Aaron Rodgers. He wouldn't want to come here anyway. Tampa Bay, though. Eh, maybe that's a better idea. For for Rodgers, that is. <laughs> the Giants are sticking with Daniel Jones in next year and beyond. And, you know, I, I know that the rearview mirror is, is smaller than the windshield for a reason. People are meant to look forward. But Giants fans, emotions aside, I challenge you to look at this logically. Joe Judge was not given a fair shake here in New York. I'm Danielle McCartan, and I will explain what that means for Brian Dable, too, here, up next on The Fan. being confident oh that's right I am confident in the way in the in the trajectory of the New York Giants moving forward and you know they say that history is the best teacher for the future I'm Danielle McCartan with you until 8 20 p.m. here on the fan you know and and I hope that Giants ownership has their notebooks cracked wide open because I do think that this is important to point out that ultimately now that it's said and done I must say, really thinking critically and logically without emotion on this, Joe Judge did not get a fair shake in his first ever shot as a head coach with the Giants for a few reasons. One, however you want to look at it, he was given, he was force-fed an offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett, a guy who had just been relieved of his duties as a head coach himself. We talked about it here. That was a safety button, just in case Joe Judge didn't work out. That's what I believe. But what was that dynamic actually like? Did Garrett still view himself as a head coach? Was he undercutting Joe Judge? If that's the case, then that dynamic could not have been too healthy. Judge eventually fired him, but I wonder how soon 
judge wanted to fire Garrett before he actually did. And then did you see the nugget from Art Stapleton on Twitter? He said, in part, quote, the NFL is filled with a bunch of what ifs. What if Joe Judge got to hire his first choice as offensive coordinator with the Giants, Brian Dable? We'll never know. End quote. Dable, his first choice, and the Giants selected and force-fed Garrett instead? Huh. So, take a note, okay? Don't force-feed coordinators upon head coaches. Okay, got it. Number two, the historical marker of why Joe Judge didn't get a fair shake here and how that can be applied for the future. Joe Judge was also married to a general manager who who didn't know how to or, or didn't understand the value in analytics. He and Joe Judge were okay in finding free agents, but Gettleman was not, when it was all said and done, a good drafter. Whatever the case, the pairing was forced, and it clearly wasn't a good match. The Giants have already learned from that. They hired the GM and allowed him to select his head coach and, and, and from a clean slate. And then, speaking of the general manager, Joe Judge hadn't had an actual NFL-caliber quarterback under center since November 28th, which was Week 12 against the Eagles. That was the last game that the Giants won. And coincidentally, the last game that Daniel Jones started. Every L after that. And there were six of them. We're at the hands of Mike Glennon and or Jake Fromm. Okay? Take a note. Giants must draft or acquire a NFL, probably acquire an NFL caliber backup quarterback. Okay, noted. Oh, yeah, and speaking of quarterbacks. Joe Judge didn't get to pick his guy at that position either, which, as you listening right now, know the quarterback is the most important position in the game of football by far. So that's another note. Allow the GM and the head coach to pick their quarterback. Now, the Giants are in a, in a situation where Daniel Jones could be brought back for another year. They could solidify the offensive line and things around him. And if it doesn't work out, then it becomes a plug-and-play situation where then you start to look at Maybe a Russell Wilson caliber type guy. Maybe. Maybe. But Giants fans, I urge patience. This is not going to be a complete turnaround rebuild, right? Right away. Anyway. John Mara said, I I still think there's a really good head coach inside of Joe Judge. And I completely agree. So let's not let history repeat itself for this new Giants regime. Don't force feed any human being, whether that be assistant coach, scout, or player, onto Joe Shane or Brian Dable. Let them make their own decisions. Let let the Giants build off an offensive line, get a good evaluation of Daniel Jones, and for the love of God, find an NFL caliber backup quarterback, please. I told you weeks ago before Shane was even hired. He was in the mix for it, and that was my favorite pick. But I'm telling you again, it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Get ready for it. I also saw that Patrick Graham interviewed for the Vikings head coach job today. That would be the best-case scenario all around for him and for the Giants. Clean slates all around. All right, so the call is 877-337-6666. Sal and Valley Stream, you're up on the fan. Oh, hey, Danielle. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Thank you. Um, I got something on the Giants real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Giants really did make the right choice to hire Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. Um I think they really did. And why I think that is that because I know that he wants Daniel Jones to be like a better quarterback than, you know, last season with Joe Judge. Uh-huh. But I think Brian Dable will be a great head coach for 
for the Giants. What do you think, Danielle? One more thing, I got mm-hmm. a couple, a few questions for you after you explain the Brian the the Brian Dable prediction I made. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, oh, you want me to do that um, first? Oh, oh. All right, so Brian Dable. You Brian make Dable, the prediction first. Yeah, Brian Dable is going to be a great head coach for the Giants. You want to know why? Because he learned wow. on the job in all those other places. And then he finally got to Buffalo, where they gave him a, a quarterback with the same skill set, the same player profile as Daniel Jones. And look what he did. They were they, At the past three years that he was there, two of, this, the, two of those seasons, they were the top uh, scoring offense in the league. That's what That should be... Music to Giants fans' ears everywhere. I, in, in Dable, yeah. I trust. I, I think the Giants got a good one. I, I do. So, Danielle, I have one more thing. On the, I have one more thing. It's on the Mets. Um, this morning, did you listen to the interview with Keith Fernandez? He was on with Richard Neer this morning. No, I did not. Oh, I listened to it. It was good. He shared, um, you know, his insights on the Mets this off season. Mm-hmm. You know, going forward, mm-hmm. we're about like what twenty seven days away from the Mets starting spring training. But Hopefully, you know, I really hope the Mets have an outstanding season with Buck Show Walter, and yeah. you know, I really hope the Mets, you know, have a better season than last year. I mean, last year seventy seven and eighty five they finished in, but mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that they really get a win. Uh, one more thing, Danielle. Um, do you know when you're going back to the overnights again? I know Pete Hoffman's doing the overnights tomorrow until six o'clock. The sun, the Sunday programs on then. Yeah. You know when you're going back to the overnights again? You know, I, I don't tell. No, I just uh, kind of go where they tell me to go and show yeah. up whenever, wherever they tell me yeah. to show up. So yeah. um, nothing. I, I know yeah. through next week, and, and nothing uh, is overnight through next week. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, okay, Danielle, what do you think Brian Dable should do like during next season for the Giants? What do you think is your expectations for, for Brian Dable? And one more thing, do you know if Bob Salter is going to come back to the studio by any chance? Nah, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I know, but he's been doing it from home for about a year. Yeah, Sal, I, I, don't, I don't know there. But two things, uh, two really good questions. Uh, Mets and, and the expectation for the Giants. So for the Mets, they have to really hope and pray that they can get full seasons out of DeGrom and Scherzer. If they do that, Mets are going to the World Series. I mean, that team was good enough to make the postseason regardless of who the manager was last year, right? And then Jacob DeGrom went down. And then the general manager admitted to the SNY booth on air live during a game that he knew the extent of the DeGrom injury and did not go ahead and 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 get a, a new pitcher to to help plug the the gap i mean i don't i don't understand that at all whatsoever and and by that i mean at the trade deadline of course um and then expectation for the giants uh, i was thinking about that this, this this morning actually expectation for the giants so they they play they reside in a really weak division so it's hard to say, you know, the Giants will not win the NFC East next year. I mean, the Cowboys are tough. The Eagles don't scare me. The Washington football team, whatever their new name will be, we'll find out soon. They don't scare me either. It's just the Cowboys. Can the Giants win the East? Can the Giants get a wild card spot next season? No, I don't think so. I think for the Giants to make the playoffs, it'll be not next season, but the season after. Again, 
Dable, uh, um, Joe Shane told you it wasn't going to be a complete rebuild, a teardown. It was going to be kind of compete for now and build for later, I think is what he said, the direct quote. So compete for now, figure out you know the progress that you're going to have in your offense, the progress your defense is going to make with Blake Martinez hopefully back. I mean, that was a big hole as well. And and one that Harry Carson, when I talked to him at Derek Jeter's event, you know, he he pointed to that being the biggest downfall of the Giants' defense at that point in the season thus far. So, um, uh, expectation for the Giants improvement. Expectation for the Giants figure out who your quarterback will be beyond next season. Is it Daniel Jones or or, or somebody else? Build that offensive line is my expectation. Playoffs, not so much. I'd say at least, at least. What would that be? Not next season, the season after for the Giants to make the postseason, the playoffs. So um, am I confident that the Giants have the right process? Yeah, I am. They have the right scaffolds in place, and we'll see. We'll see what happens from there, how they draft. They have so many draft picks they cannot miss on. So I'm Daniel McCartan with you. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN. to the 6 p.m. hour of Daniela dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. I just ran and heated up my dinner, which is, uh, you know, farfalle or bow tie pasta with some uh, pesto, tomatoes, and, and fresh mozzarella. Yep. It was cold before, and then I heated it back up, and now I'm burning my mouth. So there you go. I can never get it right. <laughs> so welcome back to the show. 877-337-6666 is the number. If you can't get through, you can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. As we've already seen tonight, the good ones get on, okay? The the good tweets, tweets get on. Uh, but as you also maybe already know about me, I don't have a ton of time to watch stuff on TV. But there's something that I will clear my schedule to watch. The third season of Celebrity Big Brother. Never watched the show ever in my life before, but I will start now. You want to know why? My friend Misha Tate will be competing and probably... Winning the whole damn thing, if you ask me. So if you want to watch it along with me, it premieres this upcoming Wednesday, 8 p.m. CBS. And it's so interesting to me because Misha Tate's got a fight scheduled for USC Fight Night on May 14th. Her first ever fight at the flyweight, uh, you know, weight class, which is 125 pounds. I hope they have good training equipment in that house. So uh, best of luck to Misha Tate, both in the Big Brother house and obviously in the octagon too. I am her biggest fan. I am the conductor of the Tate train and you can jump on the Misha Tate bandwagon. Now I will slow down right now. That's me slowing down to allow you to jump on Misha Tate celebrity, big brother. I can't wait. I will be watching that Wednesday at 8 PM Douglas in the Bronx. You're up on the fan. On behalf of my fellow big brother fans, we'd like to welcome you, Daniel McCartney. <laughs> Aboard the Big Brother train. That's right. Happy to have you along for the ride for the next month. I can't wait. I can't wait to be a part of it. I can't wait to watch her. She's going to She's gonna win. Put your money on it right now. Can we bet on that stuff? Is there, like, legalized betting for that? Can we bet that Misha Tate will win Big Brother? Well, one website has her chances to win 13 to 2 shot, mm-hmm. which is you could earn a good buck. Okay. But I've read some preseason interviews since Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Two worrisome things. You mm-hmm. ready? Uh, Number one, she has watched zero Big Brother before casting. Mm. All right. And two, quote, I'm not a social butterfly, so I've got to be strong in the other areas. 
And like the challenge on MTV, like Survivor, Big Brother is a huge social game. Mm -hmm. So, um, but... I just feel like everybody's going to want to pair with her because she's so strong. Yes, absolutely. How about, hey... How about all these Big Brother fans checking out your content? I I tried to tweet it out all Yeah, week. I saw. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No problem. But I'll give you some aspects to look forward to that maybe there's, it's not as dire as I'm putting it out there. The average age of this Big Brother cast is 44 and a half years old. Mm. This is the oldest cast by far in Big Brother history. Mishi Tate 36. is nine years younger than yeah. the average. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's been, before they moved in on Wednesday, she's been sequestered for two weeks. So she had no internet, no phone. She could, she can't watch live TV. Which is crazy to me. Movies. Douglas, it's crazy to me because I, I've been texting with her and she's been answering me, which is, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's not necessarily her. Oh, <laughs> but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, she is, uh, what is made available to her are past Big Brother seasons. So definitely probably the first two celebrity seasons she could study. I hope they also include a civilian season that has more substance to the game and the players. So I hope they made it available. And obviously what I can glean from your past interviews with her, she is prepared. She is determined. She can adapt well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would give her much credit to do this in Big Brother. Why not? Yes. So, uh, so now they moved in. This past Wednesday, January 26th, today is January 29th. If Misha Tate wants to win Celebrity Big Brother, she better have at least one alliance locked in solid as of yesterday. So now I ask you, Danielle, you've seen the cast. Who is she more likely to gravitate to? Who will she align with? I don't know, Douglas. And I, and I, think, I think that she would maybe go with another athlete. If there, I, I, I've seen the cast. I don't remember all of them. Um, like-minded athlete, or honestly, I think they're going to want to work with her. I think she is going to just be attracting people to her. We'll see what happens, but I'm excited. We'll, we could we could talk next week on, on how that works out. Let's go, Teddy and Yonkers. You're up next on the fan. Hey Danielle, I'm t- I'm the retired math teacher. Hey Teddy, the math before. teacher, you're back. Danielle, uh, just a little humor before I want to ask my question. Yeah. Do you know the eleventh commandment? Mm, no. Thou shalt not divide by zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that mm-hmm. in there. And I, th- I know you know it, and I know that most people know it, but I hope if you don't know it, you should. everyone should learn that. Uh, Danielle, I've often said this to you before. You've agreed with me. You're, you're a teacher. You're a coach. You need the horses to pull any wagon. And, you know, to have fast, quicks. Uh, solutions, mm-hmm. they don't work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With that old expression that my mother, may she rest in peace, would tell me, the easy way out now is the hard way in the long run. For people to try to think about getting Russell Wilson and forget Daniel Jones, that's not the, that's not the way out. You have to go through the draft, and like you said, Danielle, you're so right on the money. Next year, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't care who you bring in. Yeah. Okay? Not, you need a, a con- combination of talent at all positions, both offensively and defensively. And, of course, the quarterback is the most important position. Yep. And I like Daniel Jones. I want to give him one more year to 
really, and to hopefully he's healthy and he can show what he can do under the new regime, right. and the regime can make that decision. Let the regime make that decision on his performance for this year, and then if you want to go in a different direction, fine, I got no problem. Right. But just to get rid of him now, that's not the way to go, in my opinion. In mine too, and, and then who else are you bringing in? That's the big thing. Okay, that's fine. You want to get rid of him, but, but give me a realistic solution other than Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a, ridiculous. I agree with you, Danielle. And, uh, Danielle, you're great to listen to, and it's, uh, you just add a, another dimension to this radio station. And I just wanted to say that to you, and all my colleagues agree with me on uh-huh. that. Thanks, Teddy. Teddy, where did you teach again? I forget what you said. I, I taught high school in New York City, Norman Thomas High School. There you go. And I taught at Bronx Community College. Well, thanks. I appreciate you sharing me with your colleagues. I appreciate that, hey, Teddy. And remember the 11th Commandment, Danielle. You'll tell that to your students when you go back. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get it, but I'll try. Okay. They don't think I'm too funny, but here we are. You're, you're great. <laughs> Have a good night, Danielle. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah, the, the kids in my class, they are, they, they are a tough crowd. Let's just put it that way. Tough crowd they are. <laughs> uh, it's just me. I, I just think I'm funny. I'm the I'm I'm one of one people who think I'm funny. Uh, that's all. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, to Connecticut we go. Wilson, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Wilson? Yeah, I called you probably maybe two months ago. Six okay. Weeks ago we talked about Gettleman. You're spot on. I was asking you your thoughts. They had to get rid of him. And at the time, they weren't so sure about Joe Judge, mm-hmm. you know, and I agree with you. You're, I don't think he got a fair shot. Right. But I believe the Giants were going to take him back. I, I, I do. I think the last four weeks of the NFL, he, he sealed his own fate with the play calling, the, 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 the weird press conferences, yeah. the not scoring more than 10 points. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, I, I honestly think the Giants were going to take him back. I, I, I think they were. I just think what he did the last four weeks of the NFL, like yeah. they couldn't. I'm with what you. you. Think about that? Yes, I, I absolutely am with you. I was at the game. I was at that Week 18 game. Okay. And that was the we were sitting in that end zone with those quarterback sneaks, and we all looked at each other like, "What the <laughs> hell are they doing? What's going on here?" I, I agree. I just think he did it to himself. And if if you're going to tell me. Four weeks ago in the NFL, I go, they're taking him back. They're yep. taking him back. Yep. And then it just got so crazy that I think the Giants owner said the fan base will go crazy if we, for what happened and we'll take him back. And I, I really think, yeah, that's what he'll be. I think he sealed his own fate. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I absolutely think okay. that. And, Wilson, you are you nailed it. Yes, I am with you. I thought that uh, pretty much as soon as that 11-minute soliloquy happened, I was like, all right, either he knows he's gone <laughs> and he's just trying to get him save him his face for the next job that he gets or right. or he wants to be fired or I don't know. I, it was it was bizarre. It was weird. It, and, I, and, yeah. I'm a, and I was one of the last people to, to stump for Joe Judge, but that was it for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It was he's throwing all the coaches under the bus, and and, yeah. and the Giants owners are more by the book than a lot of owners. I, I just think that rubbed them the wrong way, and yep. then it just it just just avalanche from from there. Yeah, well, I, I, I think you're, that's a, that's a good evaluation. I, I thought he was going to get a third year, he, and I just think he just buried himself, and and I'm kind of glad how it went. Now we have we have the coach with the GM together on the same page. So yep. Maybe all of this 
craziness in the last five years will finally work out in our favor. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk three years from now and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson, I think you're right on the money in that evaluation. Um, and you're right. I think that they were going to take Joe Judge back. And then, like we were just talking about, that those play calls, eh, signing off on those play calls, namely the quarterback sneaks. In the ends that I was sitting in, and and at the time, you know, you're like, I mean, at the game, I, we, I was, we were a group of seven, or we were trying, yeah, I was mostly paying attention. Then all of a sudden, we looked at each other, like, what the hell are they doing? And then the, and the, the every, everything, just the whole ending, and you nailed it, just the whole ending of that, how that went down was was bizarre and weird. And as soon as you start throwing people under the bus, that's it, game over. And it was. And you know what? Maybe the silver lining is that that. Joe Shane could bring in the guy that he is most comfortable with, Brian Dable, and this is this has ignited the Giants fan base because it, it did. Giants pride was trending on Twitter at 8:21 last night. I hadn't seen that throughout the entire season trending on Twitter, to be honest. And uh, Giants fans are really happy about it. And maybe, maybe, maybe this pairing of guys is going to bring the Giants back to the promised land. And guess what? It starts with this 2022 NFL draft. The Giants literally cannot afford to get it wrong. Artie, in my neck of the woods in Northvale. You're up on the fan, Artie. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, yeah, I'm uh, out with the old and with the new. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy with the way the direction they're going. My, my only thing that I'm a little scared about, I like the whole fact of uh, Dable wanting to bring in Dorsey. I think that if that works out, it's a great, you know, continuity, great. Mm-hmm. See, this is what scares me. The defensive coordinator that's on that they're talking about, you know, if they, if possibly there, there's rumors about uh, Don Wink Martindale, which would be great. The guy's been a uh, very aggressive, which we kind of haven't had that since Spagnolo. So I, I would kind of like that. But if Patrick Graham comes back, I liked Patrick Graham his first year. I really did. Mm-hmm. But this soft zone that he had this entire horrible year and just horrible, horrible, even how could you consider having him back? Number one, because of that. Number two, this whole 75 to nothing in the last two minutes of yep. the first half, how it would be irresponsible to bring him back because he made no adjustments yep. for 17 games. Yep. And, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't, I think it would be a really, really bad move to go. What do Artie, you think? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I was thinking about that this morning as I was kind of getting my notes together about uh, bringing him back, Patrick Graham, as, as defensive coordinator. Eventually, his units caught on about halfway through the season, but. I would say through up through whenever the Giants played. Let me look. Giants schedule. Um, when they played the the um, Sam Darnold, the, the Sam Darnold Panthers. When they played the Panthers, it just came to me. I don't know how that went out my mind. Uh, when they played the Panthers was week. Oh God, twenty twenty one schedule came up. Ah. Ah. Okay, well, whatever that week is. I'm going to round it off. I think it was like week seven or week eight, week eight off the top of my head. The Giants defense was allowing opposing quarterbacks to be so historically good. Like their quarterback ratings were like at 100 or above. And if you're a fan of the show, you know I was charting it. I was keeping track of it all. And then all of a sudden the Sam Darnold game happened, and, th- and that's where it, it, it kind of changed for the Giants defense. But again, that was how many games into the season? Carolina, October 24th, so that was week 7. I told you, 7 or 8. And then they started playing well against the Kansas City Chiefs and kind of beyond that. But until then, 
I mean, they were looking making these quarterbacks look like studs on the other team, on the opposing teams. And that's not what you want to see. You don't want to be down in a seven-game hole because your defense stinks or can't get it together or all that, any of that. So like I said before in the open, I think if Patrick Graham, he went on an interview to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings today. If Patrick Graham ends up being the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, it's a win-win for everybody. He gets a promotion to be a head coach of an NFL football team. The Giants get to pick their own guy. New regime, you know, hands clean, get to pick their own guy as defensive coordinator of the Giants. Because if it were up to me, if I was in charge, I would completely clean the slate. I would completely start over. You've done it mostly already. But that soft coverage drives me nuts. And it's not like the Giants defense isn't talented enough to handle man-to-man coverage. Look at the roster. They're not bad on paper. But the positions that their defensive coordinator putting them in were not great, especially early on both last year and this year. So I'm with you. I'm not calling for the firing of anybody, but I think the Giants would be better off starting clean. And I've been on the, 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 the losing end, shall we say, of a clean, refreshing start. And it wasn't me. It, it wasn't me. So I know it hurts, right? If you're Patrick Graham, that hurts, right? But truly, when one door closes, another one opens. So that's how I feel about that. You know, it's time to play my favorite game. Mystery player. So I'm going to direct you to my Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I just posted something on my Instagram story, Coach McCartan there too, and I will be putting it up on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. What this is, is I'll attach an image. I've got two images here, two screenshots of two quarterbacks, regular season rating charts for this past season. You go ahead, you vote, and you tell me which quarterback you'd rather have based on this past regular season's numbers. We'll discuss the results Right after this. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. We've done everything possible to to, to screw this kid up uh, since he's been here. We keep changing coaches, keep changing offensive coordinators, keep changing offensive line coaches. You know, I take a lot of responsibility for that. But let's bring in the right group of coaches now and, and give him some continuity and try to rebuild the offensive line and then be able to make a, an intelligent uh, uh, evaluation of, of whether he can be the franchise quarterback or not. I have a lot of hope uh, in, in Daniel. I know how badly he wants it. I know how the players feel about him. So uh, we are certainly not giving up on him uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that courtesy of SNY is obviously the voice of John Mara, president, CEO, and co-owner of the New York Giants. Um, then... I mean, that that quote in and of itself really tells me that this Giants ownership really does understand what's going on. I, You know, sometimes they're, you know, these owners are accused of, of, of not, you know, being plugged in all the way or tuned in all the way. No, that that's that's a resounding um, confirmation that, in fact, they actually know what's going on. Right. So and, and he's right on the money and he takes ownership of it. And then you got Joe Shane in his initial press conference. He was asked about Daniel Jones, of course. And he responded like this. This is a direct quote from Joe Shane. 
We're going to look at what Daniel Jones does best. We're going to allow him to put his best foot forward. I know he's a great kid. There's not anybody in this building that has said a bad word about his his uh, work ethic, his passion, or his desire to win. I think you got to have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. He's got arm strength, he's athletic, and he can run. This is Joe Shane. I'm really excited to work with Daniel. We'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. Joe Shane. Figuring that Daniel Jones will be, and quite honestly should be, the Giants quarterback moving forward. How would, I was thinking, a Brian Dable-inspired offense help him? Well, to the graphics we go. And uh, you could tell me on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, on Instagram, Coach McCartan, and on Facebook. Uh, you tell me, I put up two graphics of just the regular season quarterback rating charts for two quarterbacks in the NFL. Two NFL starting quarterbacks. And I asked, which one are you taking? Quarterback one or quarterback two? Just looking on Twitter, okay, 57% of you guys are taking quarterback two. Let me look on Instagram. 57% of you guys are taking quarterback two. Hmm. Here's the answer. Very interesting to me. Chart one is the regular season chart of none other than Josh Allen. And you are all so far picking chart two. Quarterback chart two, and that is Daniel Jones. Okay? So don't call me up and say, hey, uh, you know, get Aaron Rodgers in here. Get Russell Wilson in here. Because... Right now, at this very moment, you're picking Daniel Jones over Josh Allen in a blind test. That's what you're really doing. And Daniel Jones is starting at an okay level. I'd be curious to see what Brian Dable could do for him, as he did for Josh Allen over the past couple years. And he's already got, in my opinion, a really solid baseline in Daniel Jones. So let's see what he can do for him. And once Joe Judge was fired, I said on Twitter... I said, well, the writing must be on the wall for Daniel Jones now, too. That would only be logical. And I only said that because logical is because how can you expect the kid to excel having to learn his third new system in his first four years in a league? But despite that, the Giants should keep Daniel Jones, mostly because he's a product of the two worst offensive coordinators in Giants history, record-wise. Go look it up. And, and then also, too, what are the alternatives? There is not a quarterback worth the five or seven pick in this draft. The Giants literally can't afford an upgrade based on their current cap situation. And he was pretty good his rookie year, his first year in the league. So maybe he can get back to that with competent coaching and scheme. And you already know that they're working on scheme. What you do is you bulk up the offensive line. You see if he's a different player because of it. I think he will be. And if I'm wrong and he isn't, well, then you've given your brand new GM a year to scout a replacement through the draft and or a year to juggle some cap space and bring in a veteran. It's a win-win scenario. It's a win-win situation. And right now, the audience, right now, I'm going to refresh Instagram, and then we'll go to the calls at 877-337-6666. Oh, now everybody's going 50-50 on Instagram now that I revealed who's who. Ah, let me refresh uh, Twitter here. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Yeah, you're still picking number two. And again, number one, the quarterback chart. Number two is Daniel Jones. The one deficiency that Daniel Jones does have is um, deep balls over 20 yards to the right side. Otherwise, and, and behind the line of scrimmage to the right side, which, you know what, that doesn't even bother me. Everywhere else, Daniel Jones is at pretty much league average, and he's literally almost perfect over the middle beyond 20 yards. 
So that's all I'm saying. Let's go, Kevin in Camden. You're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. Loving this stable hire. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw it, stability. Yep. Giants needed that. Now, you just touched on it, you know, about the draft. There's no quarterback, you know, in this draft. So what I would do for the Giants, O-line and pass rush. You need it. Those are the two things I would address. I mean, maybe receiver too, but you don't really need a number. I mean, maybe a number a number one type receiver because this is a receiver-heavy draft. So O-line and pass rush, I would do that for the Giants. As far as what they will bring, I love it. I love the, I love this. I, I didn't. I read the statement. Love it. Uh, Joe Shane, I totally believe in it. I just believe in this team's direction. Yeah, me too. I, I'm just. I'm totally sold on it. And you know, as a Giants fan, I just want to see wins. That's all. That's all I want to see. And I'm, I'm. I'm feeling confident now. The only question I really have is James Jones the guy. I guess we'll find out next year mm-hmm. because I know that there's some good quarterback coming out in next year's draft, and it's. Jones doesn't pan out. They could always draft one That's there. That's right. It's a win-win situation. You just exactly. you just outlined yep. it. That's it. That's it. Yep. Done deal. So when someone called up before and asked, like, what is your um, goal for the Giants for next season? No, it's not the postseason. It's not the playoffs. They're not going to do it. You want to see improvement. You want to see improvement. Every freaking team that we – all the New York teams – I mean, the basketball really hasn't done that, but – but from the majority of New York, that's what you want to see. You want to see improvement. You want to see wins. Yep. And that, and that's just what I want to see. And then um, as far, I want to say this for the Giants. I'm really, really hoping that this is a new era. And I'm and you know, I'm I'm gonna miss Sterling Shepard because you know what a tough way for him to go out. I, I think his career, well, his Giants career is definitely over. I just want to wish him best in his recovery. And we'll see. And as far as the Brady rumors, I'm not commenting on it until it's official. So. Yeah, I mean, I just saw a tweet, you know, where was it? I, I lost it on my Twitter. Here, Tom Brady informed the Bucks today that he's not even close to making a decision on retirement. And then the first comment was a guy uh, named uh, K. Main Davis, and he wrote, mm-hmm. Brady, after being retired for one hour, I'm back. <laughs> that, would, that, that would be That's like, funny. Uh, well, whatever happens with him, I mean, if he does retire, good. If he doesn't, oh, well, I mean, just I just go with it. I, I kind of. I would like it to be. I would like him to retire, not because because he's a good player, but I just I want to see different teams win. Mm. Like that's why I'm enjoying this playoff run because I'm, I'm I want to see teams win. A different. I told you last week. I'm just tired of seeing the same teams over and over. Yeah. I, I just want something different there. But really, really happy with this Giants thing, and I'm really hopeful. I'm really optimistic for this future, and I'm you know unlike the uh, show up the hiring, I'm really on board with this one. Yeah, me too, Kevin. I, I am too. And thanks for the call and enjoy your t- dinner tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm on board. You know, I just, it's it's more of a feeling than, than a no. It's more of a heart thing than, than a mind thing. But I just think that the Giants ownership learned a lot from the past couple of years in terms of, um, you know, getting the right personnel in there, allowing them to make their own decisions, letting loose on the reins a little bit to, to, have this team evolve and, and become no longer a team of the past. And, and I think that starts with a guy like Joe Shane as your GM and a guy, he his right-hand man, his consigliere, Brian Dable, as the head coach. From there, now the Giants have to fill out the staff. They're not done, obviously. They need a really good offensive coordinator. And I hope, I hope Patrick Graham gets a head coach job so then they can pick their own defensive coordinator and start over clean like the Jets did. Like, I feel like the Giants are just one year behind the Jets in terms of, like, you know, the grand scheme of things, the grand plan. And like the Jets, 
You were not expecting them to make the postseason, the, the playoffs in that first, you know, this past season. You weren't expecting it. All you wanted to see was development. That's the Giants next year. You're also going to find out if your quarterback is the guy or not. And that's crucial. That is crucial for the next step of this team. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones is going to surprise you. All you naysayers, he will surprise you next season. I promise you. Let's go to Paul in Floral Park. Paul, you're up on the fan. How are you, Danielle? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Yeah. Good. Great. How's, uh, how's your dinner? It's, uh, that was delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, I it's gotta, cold now. I got to go reheat yeah. it again. Right. I got to show you mine uh, when I get off the phone. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait till after your show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good move on the Giants, getting um, Joe Shane and and uh, the head coach, uh, the, 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 uh, how do you pronounce his last name again? Dable, Brian Dable. Oh, uh, Dable, yeah, yeah. Good, good move uh, on that. Yeah, I'm glad for that. So, yeah, of course, I didn't expect the Jets to uh, pass the sniff test. Uh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> and yeah, as you said, on your monologue in the past, I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, we're we're a step ahead of the uh, the Giants. But next year, the, the Giants will be at uh, our stages uh, to what we were at yeah, yeah. for this uh, past season. Yeah, and, and I think that's yeah. a fair assessment of the team there, Paul. I really do. And, and maybe, and maybe the Giants could even leapfrog the Jets because maybe Daniel Jones ends up being the guy after all. Now you've got a guy in his fourth year in the league making humongous strides, theoretically, hopefully, right? Whereas you got Zach Wilson in his second season in the league. Things are still fast for him. The game has not probably slowed down yet for him. And by the way, where's Makai Becton to help in his development? Huh? Good question. Where's Makai Becton? How is he going to come back after this offseason? In shape, I hope. Ready to play football, I hope. He has the potential. It has the potential to be a draft bust. If this guy can't kick his butt literally in gear. Yeah. I mean, how could you? You have this opportunity right in front of you. You're, you're the stud. You got the talent to be a stud in this league for the next decade. And you can't keep your weight under control. It's hard. It's a hard thing for if you're a Jeff fan to fathom that possibility. Richard in Manhattan, you're up on the fan. Hi, Daniel. You know, Daniel, the NBA usually doesn't do this. I, I think the last one was uh, Kevin McHale, but they never pick a sixth man in the All Star game. This year, there's no more deserving player than Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. That guy's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that guy, they better find a way for him to get onto the roster. Uh, you know, did you see that Montreal Canadiens have the worst record in hockey? And the other night they lost to an expansion team. But it's funny how the expansion teams are not really expansion teams anymore. They're just a collection of players that nobody wanted, but still. Well, I mean, look at the Golden Knights, what they did in yeah. their, in their first Yeah, and they've been great in about five, six years of their existence. 2017, they, they came, came into existence. I was there. I, in all girls season, I was there. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> they didn't suffer any growing pains or anything. It's yeah, none. Uh, Danielle, suppose if somebody told you at the beginning of the year, KD at this point would have only played 25 games mm-hmm. and Kyrie would have only played 10 games. Mm-hmm. James Harden would be leading the league in assists. Um, I, You know, I would be surprised. How is that possible? Well, I don't know. 
<laughs> because I guess that, that that so I was just thinking at the beginning of the season we all knew that Kyrie Irving was only going to be playing road games, right? Well, we at all he wasn't going to be playing at all, and then they no, no, this is an indictment on KD or Kyrie, right? Right. James I, Harden is leading the league in assists with two great players not in the lineup most of the time, right? But which which to me. He, it means that he's not taking the, the reins with those two guys gone. He needs to be their primary scorer, James Harden does. He's scoring okay. He's 12th in the league in scoring 23 a game. Right, and he's, but he's got, he is the guy. With those guys out, he is the guy. Stop dishing it and, and, be, and take the reins. Become more selfish? Yes. You know, another thing, Trey Young has a chance, outside chance, becoming the first player since Nate Archibald. To lead the league in scoring and assists. He's fifth in scoring and third in assists. He's got a chance to do something that hasn't been done in a long, long time. I'd love to see that. If anyone can do it, a guy like him can do it. Uh, Daniel, I got a question. For the, uh, for the NBA, for the NFL, uh, uh, overtime, isn't it a simple thing? Why don't you just continue play after the fourth quarter and just play? In other words, Kansas City hit the field goal at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. No time left. Yep. Well, now they got to kick off to Buffalo. That's all. Mm. I um, I don't know and about regular that. football. See, why, why do you have to have the clear delineation of the end of the game? Why is it? Why do we have to establish that one team has this? One team. Well, why? Well, I guess if the game doesn't end with a score, right? If if mm, yeah, I guess you're right there. It doesn't matter it, whether yeah. it ends in a score and a tie, as yeah. long as it's tied. Nah. Just keep playing. I like because the contours. But Danielle. What it does is, first of all, it makes it sudden death, which is always exciting. Number two, it makes it regular football, right? No gimmick, right. no kicking off here, no getting you getting the ball. I didn't get you got the field goal. I didn't get the field. Yeah. None of that. Mm -hmm. The players don't have to worry about who's going to, what's next. Because sometimes he's, remember, um, Donovan McNabb didn't know how overtime went. Yeah. And it's happened many times since then. All right. Plus, it's fast. Right? Because that's what the networks want. The players want to be off the field. And by the way, I think they should have ties during the regular season. I thought that was one of the greatest no. things I've ever seen at no. the end of the season. When you had, what was it, uh, San Diego and Oakland, uh, Raiders and the Chargers, figuring that if they both tie, they both get into the final. I, I thought that was fantastic. You know, fans love chaos. This is what we want. Improbability, improbable uh, results or outcomes of what we love. I love that outcome. I would have loved that at a tie where both of them got in. But why, don't we, why do we have to play games to completion for a finality? Why can't we just have ties? They had a ties for all these years. I mean, you know, the players don't want to play overtime, you know? So why don't we just, to me, simple is always the best without anything changed. And if you can play regular football, and the best way to play regular football is just to continue the game. Yeah, Richard, and I think that's a point that, that a lot of people are making, that the overtime rules are absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and throughout the week, I've been talking to different people, you know, at, at my day job and stuff, and trying to figure out, you know, how to fix it. Because right now, the, the overtime system is broken. I'm going to say it until it gets changed. And by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019 – they proposed an overtime rule that would force both teams to have a possession. It was not voted on. It did not go forward in like the rules changing committee that year. They tried. And they and it didn't get voted upon. I hate the overtime rules. What made that game exciting, the Chiefs and and, uh, and the Bills game? Let me ask you, what made that game exciting? 
You probably answered yourself the quarterback play, right? The quarterback play. Watching Mahomes go down the field. Watching Josh Allen answer. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That's what made that exciting. And to have one of the two quarterbacks. I don't have a dog in this fight. I guess I can't. I guess I did. I had a bet on the Bills since March to win the Super Bowl. But either way, I'm not a fan of either team. To have one of the two quarterbacks plastered and nailed to the bench throughout that, that entire overtime period was, was, was an invalid assessment of that game. And it's a gimmick. You're right, Richard. It's a gimmick. And it needs to be changed now. Playoff predictions and ways to fix that rule at 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle at dinner time here on the fan in New York City. That is no doubt... That is Paulie Rosenberg on the ones and twos. And on the phone, 877-337-6666. You know, by the time we go to sleep tomorrow night, we will know who will be playing in Super Bowl 56. It's, it's you know, none of our teams here are playing in the games, but it's an exciting time of year if you're a football fan. The best football will be on display. Super Bowl 56 in the beautiful, I've been there, SoFi Stadium. So, while we don't know right now who's going to be playing of the four teams remaining, what we do know is this. A California team will be playing in it. And I was just sitting here thinking that the Tampa Bay Bucks were the only team to have a... Right, pause. The Tampa Bay Bucks were the only team to play a home Super Bowl, right? Ever. Yeah, so we have the, the ability, the chance here for the Rams to be the second one in two years. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. AFC Championship game will will be first. It's at 3 p.m. our time here on the East Coast. The Chiefs and the Bengals. Okay, so for me, and and I'll keep these short. We'll get to your Giants calls. Obviously, it's a big momentous day for the Giants. Um, Momentous weekend, having hired their their head coach, Joe Shane, the GM, last weekend. And we've got on the show this week um, uh, the, the head coach hiring. Brian Dable, which is exciting news for the Giants land. Also, too, I, I said it in the open, but if uh, if you were at Henrik Lundqvist night last night, I want to hear from you. Okay, so give me a call. I want to know what it was like being there. We all saw it on TV. I was listening to part of it on the radio. Um, but I want to know what it was like being there, okay? And then we'll give you my little predictions for the NFC and AFC Championship game. We'll go back to your calls, okay? So AFC Championship game, 3 p.m. That's up first. Chiefs and Bengals. For me, the Bengals offensive line stinks. Like, really bad. I mean, the Bills was, like, the second best in the in the regular season, okay? And, and they were all right against the Chiefs last week. The other thing I would point to is what the Chiefs' offense did to the Bills' defense. The Bills' defense that ranked number one in most defensive metric categories or at or near the top in the rest of them. Look what the Chiefs did to the Bills' number one ranked defense. There isn't anything better than that, and that includes the Bengals' defense. Okay, so based on what the Chiefs did to the Bills' defense, based on the fact that the Bengals' offensive line absolutely is horrible. I mean, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times last week. If Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times this week, forget about it. I'm going, and a lot of people are saying this is going to be close. I don't think it's going to be that close. 
Kansas City Chiefs 34. And I haven't looked at the spread or a total over. I haven't looked at any of it. Just I'm going Kansas City Chiefs 34, trending upwards. I even want to say 42. But let's keep it at 34. Kansas City Chiefs 34, Cincinnati Bengals 24. And I would almost trend down on that too. I think it's going to be a blowout. I I think the Chiefs are going to blow out the Bengals. As much as the Bengals are a feel-good story, everybody wants to get behind the underdog, the whole thing, Joe Burrow, the whole thing. The Chiefs are just no match. I mean, Josh Allen and his Bills team were no match for the Chiefs. The Bengals won't be either. Okay? Then the NFC Championship game kicking off at 6.30. The 49ers and the Rams, the aforementioned Rams. Big sticking point to me is that Trent Williams, stud offensive lineman for the 49ers, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing. I mean, all pro doesn't look like he's going to be playing for the 49ers. Black, you know, the, the, his fill-in did a great job. The last time he was out, I don't know if it was last week or the week before that, but did a great job. Did an admirable job. But still, you cannot replace all pro talent, Trent Williams. So um, then you got Jimmy Garoppolo. Will he continue to be the game manager that he is? He puts himself his, uh, his team in a good position to win the game. I mean, there was a tweet from, uh, was it Debo Samuel earlier this morning? Or Brandon Ayuk. One of the two of them. And he said, okay, everybody wants to keep, I'm paraphrasing here, but everybody wants to keep crapping on my quarterback. Okay, check his win percentage. It's true. And and this Rams team has just been so wildly inconsistent that you don't know which Rams team is going to show up. I, that That's going to be the game that's more intriguing to me. The the NFC uh, championship game, not the the AFC. I don't think it's going to be that close. The NFC though is uh is, is intriguing to me. And then they did on the NFL Network this morning at Jimmy Garoppolo and a Matthew Stafford uh, twenty twenty one matchups comparison. Garoppolo two wins. Garoppolo had a ten completion percentage ten percent points higher than Stafford. Passing yards per game was nine yards more for Garoppolo than Stafford. Um, Passing touchdown to interception ratio was better for Garoppolo than Stafford. Passer rating for Garoppolo was 30 points higher than that of Stafford. This is the, in the two games that they played against each other um, so far this season. It, it's it's tough. This is going to be a tight game. I want my heart wants the 49ers to win. I would love to see an Italian American quarterback go back to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. Uh, but my head is saying else, you know, uh, my head is saying Rams. My, I'm, I'm going to go officially Rams 27, 49ers 20. I think it'll be a very tight game through the first half, but the Rams will pull away, I think, in that second half there. Uh, Chiefs 34, Bengals 24, Rams 27, 49ers 20. Those are my picks. Lock them in. I think we'll have we'll see a Super Bowl 56 featuring the Kansas City Chiefs and the home team. Los Angeles Rams. Okay, to the calls we go at 877-337-6666 in the order that you call Pasquale and Bayside. Hey, Coach. What's How up? How are you, Coach? You. Who, who was the last Italian-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl? Mm, I, was it Joe Montana? Was it Joe Montana? I don't know. I, I'm, I, I thought you knew. I just, you know, because you said that just now. It yeah. Just, uh, no, it, it, you know, it wasn't why I was calling you. No, but yeah, no, it's okay. I'm actually going to look it up. I'll have the answer. Um, you know, be, go ahead. Before I get off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So listen. Joe I'm, Flacco. I'm, There's the answer. 2012, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Oh, skinny Joe. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Flacco <laughs> means skinny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, Daniel Jones and the Giants. First of all, they were so bad this year. 
So you're talking about Kansas City and how much you love them, and so do I. What firepower they have. Mm -hmm. When you watch that guy number 10 catch that ball and run, and then you look at the, the big blue, and you scratch your head and say, my goodness, there isn't a player on that roster, on the 22 starters that they put out there in the last four or five games, that could ever play on either one of those teams that are going to play Sunday. Offensively, let me let me think. Yeah, uh, offensively. Yeah. I'm not talking about the – got one or two guys that could probably play some defense. But but offensively, we're terrible. So, with that being said, I've been uh. talking about Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> His biggest problem to me is that he never stays around for the whole season. He's always hurt. Mm-hmm. And and the scary part with the injury he has he has in his neck, yeah. uh, you know, they're really sort of like uh, not saying a whole lot about that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, is it? You know, I, who knows what it is? Yeah. And and he can't resume football play until August. Gee, that's that's a long time from the time he got hurt. Uh, you know, all the way to August. So that leads me to pause a little bit about this guy. So I'm hoping that they bring in a really good guy to, to play, to give him a little competition. I'm with not, you. not so much a good guy, but a guy who was better than the last uh, few fellas that they yeah, had. Yeah, the in non-competition with Glennon and Fromm. I mean, come on. Yeah, the, the guy on Buffalo, the guy who's backing up Allen is Trubisky. Trubisky, yeah. He's going to well, be a giant next season, mark my words. Well, he's 27 years old. He would be... <laughs> He wouldn't be bad. That would be fine. And he's you know? affordable for this Giants team, might I add. Well, they have no money to spend. Right. But but I can only hope that they, they have two picks within the first eight, I believe. So, you know, yep. a really good off, offensive uh, player on the line. Yep. And I would say a really good defensive player on the line, whether it's an edge rusher or a linebacker. Yep. And then they got a nice pick in the second round. I'd go back to the offensive line I again. I would, too. Yep. Yeah. So I would, too. the quarterback. Yep. He's got a couple of guys, you know, that that are are going to be uh, helping him out. Also, yep. I hope they can coach up Daniel Jones. I mean, really coach him up, you know. I mean, get the most that they possibly can out of this guy. Yeah, Pas- Pasquale, I'm so with you on that. We are in lockstep on everything there. Um, the one thing I would say, I don't know what Daniel Jones was doing in the building over the past couple of days, but Joe Shane said – that over the, he's met Daniel Jones twice already since he's been hired and in the building. So I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's working out. I, I don't really know. Maybe he's studying. Maybe he's cleaning out his locker for all I know. I don't know. For you know, not not forever, but just for now. Um, I don't know. But it, it'd be interesting. You're right. I hope the Giants can coach him up. I think he's got all the tools to be a, tools to be a good player, especially with an offensive line in front of him. The draft is so critical for these Giants. Uh, I would do that. You know, it depends on players available, but I would go off theoretically in in a real. Uh, Vacuum, I'd go offensive line, defensive line, then back to the offensive line, as you said, Pasquale. So I'm with you on that. All right, Erica still is on the updates? All right, so uh, we've got The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Paulie R on the ones and twos with Hardwell. My favorite. So I tweeted a picture on the break uh, that I took stuck in traffic. I want your opinion on it. Go ahead. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. So, you know, uh, the other day I'm driving home. I'm in traffic, obviously. (laughs) 
the light's green and no one else is moving. So I'm just kind of looking around while I'm ab- going absolutely nowhere. You know how it is. And, and I glance to my left and I, and I see this license plate, a yellow one, jersey, obviously. And it says NYR space 30. And I'm like, whoa, that must be Henrik Lundqvist driving in traffic next to me or stuck in traffic next to me. I mean... Obviously not. I mean, what would a guy whose net worth of $35 million be doing driving a Subaru hatchback? No offense. But you never know, I guess, right? Because one time I did see Derek Jeter leaving Yankee Stadium. Guess what he was driving? A Ford. For real. So it wasn't Henrik Lundqvist. You know, know, I'm a thorough person. I got close enough to look in the car to make sure that it was, in fact, not him. If it was him, I would have kind of cut it off and asked him for an interview, honestly. But, um... It's a cool story, at least, right? And it's a timely story, actually, because last night at the Garden, the Rangers retired the 11th jersey number in their storied history. Number 30, King Henry Lundquist. And in the 15th season he played with the Rangers, Lundquist ranks sixth in the NFL all-time in wins for a goalie. And as far as the Rangers go, he holds over 55-0 team records. So, obviously well-deserved for one of New York's most loyal players to have his number 30, which I'm actually wearing right now. Retired in front of the Rangers fans and his closest friends and family, I mean, who flew in all the way from Sweden for the event. I actually talked with uh, Henrik Lundqvist in February of 2017 at his hockey pro camps for kids at Chelsea Piers. And and of the dozens, if not hundreds, of of athletes that I've talked to over the years that I've been doing this, Henrik Lundqvist is probably top three. And if you're a Rangers fan and you want to watch it, the interview is six minutes long. I posted it on Thursday as like this uh, throwback Thursday post uh, on Twitter at Coach McCartan, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. But, or here's what you do. You just Google McCartan Lundquist and it should come right up. And you know what? I stick in. I think I might. These are all scheduled tweets. I schedule them every Thursday to come out. And I think, uh, um, I think I'm going to keep that throwback Thursday thing going. Reposting my old Interviews on Thursday, so stay tuned for them. I got Giants, I got Jets, Yankees, Mets, yeah, whatever you want. Maybe we can turn it into a thing. Maybe I could put up a poll. Tell me which team you want to see a Throwback Thursday interview from. Maybe we can do it like that. But anyway, so congrats to Henrik Lundqvist, number 30, never to be worn again by a New York Ranger. And I can't wait to get there and just look up and see, like, wow, like, that's cool. Just the same thing you get when you see the number 10 at MetLife Stadium or the number 2 in Monument Park. Well, number 42 in Monument Park. All of those guys, having gotten it right, played for one team, especially here in New York. Loyalty at its finest. So congrats to Henrik Lundqvist and the Lundqvist family. Uh, back to the calls. 877-337-6666 in the order that you called. Ben in Queens, you are up. Go ahead. Coach Daniel's dinner time discussion continues on. Uh, how you doing there, Coach? I'm good. How are you? Well, I, I will say this. Uh... I heard the Misha Tate uh, Big Brother uh, yeah. news. Yeah, but I'm now a Big Brother fan. Let's go. <laughs> there it goes. You're prepping for that. I'm prepping to see Ronda in the Royal Rumble in a couple of minutes. So that, that, should, that should be interesting because the big rumor is that WWE is going to sneak her in there and she may take the whole thing. So I got to check that out. Um, I knew the second uh, picture you put up. I knew that was Daniel Jones mm-hmm. just because I believe it was NFL Good Morning before they faced Philly 
had a similar thing. So that was Next Gen Stats, right? Yep, NFL Next Gen Stats, yep. <laughs> they had a similar stat base comparing him with, with uh, what's his name? Hurts. Yes. <laughs> I just didn't know who the first guy was. I I would have guessed like five different players before I got to Josh Allen on that one. Yeah, that was Josh Allen. So in the initial, before Ben, I said anything, and Ben's talking about on my social media channels, all of them, um, I posted two NFL Next Gen uh, quarterback rating charts for the 2021 regular season of two mystery quarterbacks, and I put a vote. Who are you picking? Player one or player two? Before I announced who was player one and who was player two, player two, Daniel Jones, was leading the vote. No one knew it was Daniel Jones. And then, and then once everybody knew number one was Josh Allen. Once I said it, they all they were all picking Josh Allen. But but for all that commercial break, everybody was picking quarterback number two, Daniel Jones. And that was the point I'm trying to make of the ceiling that this kid could have with a good system and a good talent implemented around him. Uh, congrats to the Giants on getting their man. Uh, you know what? The important thing is, can he bring the energy that he has up in Buffalo to that Giants defense? Wow, <laughs> just. Bring that energy right down. You bring that energy right down, and you get uh, a quarterback tutor for Jones, and the Giants will improve. Not saying playoffs, but they'll improve greatly next season. And that's all you're looking for. You're looking for improvement, and you're looking to see if that's your quarterback moving forward, if you're a Giant fan. Yeah. That's it. Um, I'm with you, Rams, Chiefs. I've been trying to figure out ways not to, to choose that. I know. It's Me just, too. <laughs> it's just with the, with the – the Chiefs, it's hard for a first-time team to win on the stage. <laughs> and this hopefully lights the fire under the Bengals like no more letdown games during the season. Because if this game is played in Cincinnati, I think I'm picking Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And with the Rams, <laughs> it's do or die for McVay. He has to beat this team sometime. Yeah. Simply put. And I'll leave on this. Congratulations to Hendrick. The King left on a good and a funny note last night. The good note was raising the thing to the rafters. Yeah. The funny note, did you see the Matt Zuccarello goal? Well, listen, <laughs> Ben, I knew someone was going to bring this up, and I thought it would oh. be you. So guess what? The, the short answer is no, I didn't, but I have a oh. really good explanation. You want to know okay. what happened? All right. Okay. What okay. happened? So for the snowstorm management here, Spike and David and they put us up at, at a nearby hotel to make sure we're all here, make sure we're all safe uh, during the snowstorm, okay? So I'm staying at this hotel, and I, I've got MSG on. I'm watching it, watching it, and all of a sudden they say, okay, now we're going to move the game over to MSG+. Plus. Tune in there. I'm like, oh, no, oh, they don't have it. They didn't have MSG+. Plus. Oh. I, I was like, no way. So in the oh. hotel, they did not have MSG+, Plus, and I could not watch the game. So Did you at least get a chance to hear the highlights? Especially Sam Rosen's reaction after he said it. <laughs> no, I did see the reactions on Twitter, though. I did see the reactions oh. on Twitter. Oh, it's one. Look, one of the reasons I love the MSG broadcasters is for, for the, the local feel, you get honest reactions to stuff mm-hmm. that's just strange. Hendrick don't let them score. Go. Sam's like, ah, oh, come on. Kid. <laughs> You're not supposed to say. I was dying. Coach, pleasure listening. Thank you for the time as usual. Uh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. And Paul Rosenberg's got the got the goal call. Go ahead, play it. There's your buddy Zook. Yeah, he uh, don't let that guy screw. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> did I just say you that? Just <laughs> <laughs> you just did. You just did. 
He's that's, having a good season. Yeah, that's that's a 10-game point streak for him now, too. This is why I'm not in the booth. <laughs> oh, Henrik Lundqvist. He, I'm telling you, class act, one of the best, and that sucks. <laughs> with the Rangers, I'm sorry. But, yeah, so very very appreciative of, of the hotel room. Obviously, and, you know, the whole panic was setting in that, you know, I was checking the weather all week and when was the storm going to come and et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden I got the text and, hey, would you be interested in that a hotel room nearby? I was like, yes, absolutely, yes, and thank you. And it was so much less stress. So, unfortunately, though, the hotel did not have MSG+. Plus. It did have NFL Network. It had Yes Network, SNY. That was the first thing I checked when I walked through the door, but not MSG+. Plus. So I was a little, a little annoyed and a little behind on that. So, sorry about that, Rangers fans. I, I had it every intention. I'm wearing a Rangers shirt right now. I had every intention of watching that game. And then once it switched, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So, anyway, we got Mark Feinstein coming up at 720. 720, Mark Feinstein coming up about the, uh, the Hall of Fame vote and the, the very latest on the MLB lockout. Okay, so uh, in about 10 minutes from now. We got Lou in San Francisco. You're up on the fan, Lou. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Good. How are you, Lou? Good. I uh, I just I don't share the optimism that seems to be uh, prevailing about the uh, the new GM and coach of the Giants. Why is that? I, I don't feel any more confident than I did with McAdoo, Shermer, or Judge. And after the introductory press conference with Judge, we all thought this is our guy. He's yeah. got personality. He's tough. He seemed like he knew how to work the room and and work the the press conference. Mm-hmm. Turns out that backfired. I just we got an assistant. GM from the Bills and an offensive coordinator from the Bills. Now the Bills never, they got Josh Allen. Who made who better? Did Allen make Schoen look good or did uh, Schoen and uh, Dable make Allen look good? We don't know yet. And I don't think the Giants were in a position to really roll the dice on two unproven again. What I would have liked to have seen was bring in a no-doubter. Like Like Jim Harbaugh to be the GM. Somebody with football. Yeah, but but Jim Harbaugh has never been a GM before. But Lou. Sorry, go ahead. But he's never been a GM before. That that would be the definition of unproven at that position, would it not? Well, you could say the same thing, but, you know, he was a player. He was a coach. He's won everywhere he's gone. And what you're looking for for the Giants, I think, is a dominant personality. Someone to be the face of the franchise, a dynamic person, uh, a household name. Jim Harbaugh would have satisfied all those. He would have brought in his own head coach, and he's a great talent evaluator, and he would have reminded but do, me but, a lot of what But, San Lou, Francisco how do you know that Joe Shane is John not? Lynch. But how do you know Joe Shane is not? How do you know that Brian Gable is not that? Well, that's what I'm saying. We, none of us know. and not But no one knows how and, Harbaugh would be as a GM either. Like, come on. Except for the fact that he he's – He's a household name. And, and oh, so you want a household a name. Okay, and record. okay, Lou, that's all you want then. You, the qualification for you was a household name. Sometimes those don't work out either, household names. Come on. No, I think the Giants are in good hands. I, you look at the resume of Joe, Joe Shane, that's how you pronounce his name, Joe Shane. If you were to look at his resume, you'd see that the guy also was a player, also was worked his way up from the ticket office at every single freaking level up from the ticket office to the GM's office. I believe in guys like that. I also believe in Dable. We'll see who made who. Again, though, it's a collaborative effort. And and the fact of the matter is this. Josh Allen improved 
from year one to where he is now under this current regime. The beginning, he wasn't great, but he improved. That's what the Giants fans are holding on to that can happen to their own quarterback, Daniel Jones. And if it doesn't, the Giants, at the hands of this GM, will be in a good position to plug and play a quarterback who is good enough for that. To Astoria we go. Lou, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? I agree with you. Listen, Daniel Jones, for first season, he played better than Josh Allen, okay? And he had to stay very similar in style, okay? See, so this guy get protection. You know what I'm saying? That's going to avoid for him to getting injured, and he's going to be a hell of a player. The Giants picked the right GM. That, that I agree with you. Yes. Now, as far as the, the coin toss, okay, in the playoffs, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but I think that uh, that should be Van. I don't believe in it. I think that uh, every uh, football game, every team plays a half at home and half away, and I think that the, the team at home should, should have the ball, and they decide whether they want to keep it or not. In the playoffs, as far as that is concerned, what, well, let, me, let me just say this. During the regular season, whoever gets but the better record, which is there, there's not going to be no, no tanking on that because they're going to have to play to get that right. And in the playoffs, every team that with a better, better record should have the, the ball. Forget about the coin toss. And if you're going to keep the coin toss because it's, it's, it's been there for, so, for forever, Okay, as far as the player was just concerned, every team should touch the ball. Exactly. I don't know if you want to give him 10 minutes. Yes. Or, you know, I was so disgusted. And look, Buffalo, like if I was a Buffalo fan, today I'd probably be, been drinking forever. <laughs> I mean, uh, Daniel, I just finished uh, dealing with the snow out there. Yeah. And I'm a Jets fan. And let me tell you something. I was drinking, feeling sorry for them, okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, a real, uh, they're a New York team too, but, I, you know, we're a Jets fan. And the way I see it, like, again, the coin toss, if you put Peyton Manning, remember when they changed the rule when Peyton Manning, when the team and, 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 and the overtime, the, 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 the coin toss, whoever gets it, and then Peyton Manning gets the ball, game over. Yep. Because the, play, the game is not played the same. The quarterback is, is, is the key now because he, he can't be touched. There's no defense right. against him. All the rules know. are slanted in, 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 in for the offense. And, and, and favorite. I don't understand this. Yeah. It, it, it was it was great games, uh, Daniel, but I hope this has to be changed. You know, just like in baseball, there's a few rules that I don't agree with it. Yeah. You know, football got to do the same thing. Yep. You take care. It's nice hear, hearing for you, all right? Yeah, Lou, thanks. And you I too. hope you get back. <laughs> Thank you. appreciate that. Yes, the, the, the overtime rules in the NFL need to be changed. What a di- Like you said, Lou, what a disservice it was. to, ha- to First of all, you knew as soon as the, the, the Chiefs won the coin toss that that game was over. That game and all of these games are decided by a coin. That's it. And, and what a shame that was to watch Josh Allen sit there on the bench, unable to do anything whatsoever at all, at all, to help his team win that game. Nothing. He could do nothing except sit there and watch it. That's a huge shame. That's a huge disservice to not only the Bills, clearly and obviously, but to the fans. Because think about it. What did that? How, why was that game uh, exciting? Because they went back and forth and back and forth, and 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 the, the quarterbacks and and et cetera, et cetera, all that. We didn't get to see that in the overtime period, and because of that, because of that ridiculous rule. That, by the way, the Chiefs tried changing in 2009 because of that ridiculous... 2019, excuse me. Because of that ridiculous rule, we were robbed of of of, of the Bills taking the field and, and, and maybe doing something. Maybe scoring and then going for two. 
and winning the game. Who knows? We don't know. No one knows. But that rule needs to be changed. I'll say it. I said it when when they changed it, and I'll continue to say it, and I'll say it for the games tomorrow. If that happens again, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, so we got Mark Feinstein coming up next on the fans to talk about the Hall of Fame voting. Did they get it right? Did they not get it right? Um, who would be on the ballot in the upcoming subsequent seasons? And, of course, where does the NBA, I'm sorry, where does the MLB stand right now as of today in terms of the lockout and getting baseball started again? Look out your window. You see the snow. When's spring training going to start? Well, maybe Mark Feinstein will be up next uh, to explain to us and tell us when that will be. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan for another hour. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Tick, tick, boom. We're lucky to be joined right now by Mark Feinstein, MLB.com executive reporter and MLB Network insider. Mark, welcome back to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, the number one thing on everybody's minds is the lockout. In regards to the lockout, where do the union and the league stand at this very moment? Well, I think this is a positive week in general. You know, they met back-to-back days, which they hadn't done since the lockout began. A couple of the major issues that have been contentious in terms of six-year free agency and arbitration guys and Super 2s, those seem like they're off the table. They're going to stay status quo. And MLB took a big step this week in agreeing to, or in a proposal anyway, uh, proposing, based on the union's framework, a pre-arbitration bonus pool. Um, which would help pay some of the younger players in their pre-arb years, uh, you know, more money based on their performance. So, you know, for instance, guys like Corbin Burns and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would have made three or four times as much money last year in their uh, respective Cy Young and runner-up MVP seasons. Uh, The rookies of the year, Jonathan India and Randy Rosarena, would have made more than double their salary. So, you know, it's a way to help get some of the younger players paid more prior to arbitration, which is one of the things that the union is really pushing for. Yeah, and, and and that obviously caught my eye when I had to read that twice when I I saw up to four times. Like, how would you determine who are the, the better pre-arbitration players? Is it just based on end results and it's like payouts based on that? It's based on performance, you know, with things like war and, and uh awards, uh, you know, placement and awards and, and you know, rookie of the year, MVP, Cy Young, et cetera. It rewards the guys who had really strong years and who made a difference. Because when you think about the pre-arbitration players who are making close to the minimum and putting up superstar numbers, the argument is always those guys deserve to be paid more. Uh, And by this framework, which is what the union had presented, that would help accomplish that goal. So this was a union presentation. It was a framework that the union presented and MLB came back in one of their proposals with, with a proposal based on that framework. So yes, it's, it's based on the framework that the union had put together, you know, and, and MLB basically, you know, made a proposal off of that. Right. Now, another thing that caught my, my, my eye was the, the top prospects. I like that the teams would get compensated with draft picks if the top prospects get a full year of service time and a 15% salary increase. Do you think that is doable? Well, I mean, it's certainly doable. I think the idea, you know, the players are concerned about tanking and, and service time manipulation. And, you know, we've seen a couple of examples in recent years of teams taking their top prospects on the roster right off the bat. Right. We saw the Mets take Pete Alonso uh, on the opening day roster. We saw the Padres do the same with Fernando Ortiz Jr. So, you know, this would be a way to uh, incentivize teams to, to take the top prospects on their roster if they're believed to be ready to help the team right away. So, 
you know, I, I credit both sides in trying to come up with some ideas to move this thing forward. And like I said, I, I thought this was an important week and a significant week in terms of getting a couple of the big issues off the table and trying to move some of the other ones forward, which leads us a little bit of optimism that maybe we're, we're you know, creating a path towards a deal here. Yeah, that's good. We're talking about Mike, Mark Feinstein, MLB.com executive reporter on the fan. Uh, another thing I saw was the luxury tax threshold. Um, two things, I guess, about that. There seems to be, I mean, I'm on the outside here, but there seems to be a discrepancy in where to actually set the threshold for you know the level at which the penalty will occur. Where do you see it settling? I am not going to speculate on that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the two sides have their own ideas on uh, on numbers that that work for them. You know, that's going to be an issue that I think takes up some time mm-hmm. in these negotiations going forward. Yeah, because I saw the union wants, and I did a little bit of math here, but the union wants basically a $35 million increase to that threshold. MLB proposed a $4 million increase initially. To me, those numbers seem really far off. So I think that might be, would it be safe to say that that's one of the major kind of sticking points here? I, I think that's certainly one of them. You know, there are a few a few issues that are going to be the primary economic, core, core economic issues that are going to be taking up a lot of their time. And I would assume that that would be one of them. Yeah. Could you kind of you know, without giving anything away, really, but could you, I, I guess, itemize what other ones could there potentially be? Well, I think the, the arbitration pool, the pre-arbitration pool that we spoke about is certainly one of them. The CBT is going to be one of them at minimum salary. You know, there's a number of them that are going to be issues. I think getting the free agency, the six-year free agency and the arbitration eligibility issues off the table was was a good start because those were two that were certainly sticking out as, as roadblocks to getting to a deal. And now that those are all uh, you know, the pre-arbitration bonus pool is is sort of out there now. You know, like I said, I think that that helps create a path to get a deal. And obviously, you know, we're looking at the calendar and everybody knows spring training is supposed to start in three weeks. And, uh, you know, hopefully this starts to move the needle in the right direction. You mentioned it before, tanking. That's something else that caught my eye. There is a lottery for the top three selections in the draft. Just is it enough of an incentive to discourage tanking? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I certainly think, you know, if you look at the NBA lottery, the bottom teams in the league still have higher percentages of landing that topic, even though it's a, a bigger lottery. You know, I believe there were some some rules in the proposal about can't be in a lottery more than a couple of years in a row or three years in a row. So, you know, I don't know that you're going to see teams going for long-term tanks if, if those rules are in place. But I just think trying to figure out any sort of a solution to this with a lottery style draft, at least it says, look, if you're if you're the worst team in the league, you're not going to be guaranteed that first pick. So maybe it's not worth tanking just to get a first pick if you're not going to be guaranteed that pick. So I thought about that and I was like, OK, well, I'm thinking about the Jets and how they call that zero blitz against the Raiders to tank for Trevor, the whole thing. I mean, there really are no zero blitzes in baseball. So so what does tanking actually look like? Well, we've seen it with the Cubs. We saw it with the Astros, teams that really tore it down. And I'm not sure it was tank as much as a teardown uh, and not necessarily minding the idea that they, that they were not competitive teams. You know, you're looking at teams that are putting out young players that in a normal competitive year might not have been ready. Now look with the Astros and the Cubs, it resulted in world series championships. So there's no saying that that's necessarily the wrong way to go, but look in the NBA, the Sixers uh, went that direction where they were putting guys on the floor for, for a number of years that just weren't, NBA caliber starting players, and they ended up with what a top three pick three times or something like that. So, I don't think tanking in baseball is as much about calling plays or 
you know, something like the, like the example you gave with the Jets, but more just the idea of, of trying to compete every year, which naturally is good for the game to have the more teams that are, that are out there being competitive. Right, 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 right. Uh, another thing I saw was expanded postseason. I mean, what would kind of the framework look like for that? Well, I think we saw an example of that uh, in, the, in the COVID-shortened year uh, where, where we had more teams getting to the playoffs, uh, whether that's 12, whether that's 14. The more teams that have a chance to get in, the more teams that are going to be competitive and, and try to get those spots because we've seen in playoff baseball enough times that you just got to get there. And then if you get a hot pitcher or two or you get a couple guys who are killing the ball, uh, anything can happen come October. I know Joe Torre's favorite favorite saying back in in the days when he was managing the Yankees was that the playoffs are a crapshoot. And I know a lot of people have said that. Yeah. Uh, and it's true. We, we saw Joe Torre's team several times with 100, 103 games. They were the best team in the league over 162. Uh, 2002, they ran into a red-hot Angels team, knocked them out in, in four games. You know, it happened again a few years later against the Angels in five games. Those teams just got red-hot and beat better Yankee teams. So you get to the playoffs, crazy things happen. We've, we've seen wild-card teams go on and win the World Series. And, uh, you know, you just got to punch your ticket. It's sort of like the NCAA tournament. Get there and you never know what can happen. That's right. Just got to get to the dance, get an invitation. Uh, Mark, right. Fein- Mark Feinstein, MLB Network Insiders, with us here on The Fan. Any more big ticket items that I missed, you know, for the listenership? I have very intelligent listenership. No, I think you did a good job there. I think you covered pretty much most of our, uh, our lockout-based teams. Yes. Great. So how about, oh, one thing we did not talk about is about a timeline for this to be settled. Any ideas? Sort sort of like that CBT question. I'm not even going to begin to hazard a guess. Uh, I'm hoping it's soon. I'm hoping we can, you know, start talking about baseball and start looking forward to spring training and getting out of this freezing cold weather in the, in the Northeast. I totally agree with that. Uh, Mark Feinstein's with us on the fan. Hall of Fame voting. Alex Rodriguez, we'll start with him. It's a New York show, so we'll start with him. He received 34.3% of the vote in the first year. Based on how this year's vote went, and with the voters, with each wave kind of successfully getting, that's not the word, successively getting younger, a little bit more detached from that steroid scandal, do you think Alex Rodriguez would end up as a Hall of Famer in the next, I guess, nine years? My guess is no. There's still a good portion of the electorate that is not ever going to vote for PED guys. We saw that this year with Bonds and Clemens. Those guys got two-thirds of the votes, right? I mean, two-thirds of the people that filed ballots said Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should be Hall of Famers. But there's still one-third that did not. I wouldn't imagine unless, even as the elect, even as the voting electorate gets younger, unless some of those older guys or, or some of those anti-PED guys are still voting, I just don't see it getting to seventy five percent. And unlike Bonds and Clemens, who never failed tests or took any or had any discipline, Alex admitted to using for three years in Texas and took a year suspension with the Yankees. So there is an unquestioned guilt involved with Alex that was not there for Bonds and Clemens. I was actually surprised that Alex's total was as high as it was because, I kind of thought he was going to fall into that 20 to 25% range, which is where Manny Ramirez has been. Manny Ramirez failed two tests and, and was suspended twice. And again, there's no question about Manny's guilt in PED use. And I, I kind of thought that Alex was going to fall uh, in the Manny zone. And I think he ended up, you know, 10, 12, 14 points higher than Manny. So as you were saying about, I mean, each year there isn't like a set number. There aren't 500 voters. There are sometimes 400, whatever the number is. I mean, would it be fathomable that 
with more and younger voters coming in that the 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 stalwarts the the no steroid guys their votes won't count they won't weigh as much it's possible but again i think with the way our industry has been and the fact that the journalism industry in general is taking a little bit of a hit in terms of jobs and layoffs and all that kind of thing i don't know that enough younger voters are going to be added in the next 5 plus years to to bring that number up uh, I mean, remember, Alex was at 34%. So it took Bonds and Clemens 10 years to get up into the 60s. Uh, I don't know that, that that enough voters are going to be added. I mean, you'd have to probably add 100 voters just in my head. I have no idea what the actual percentage is. But you'd have to add a lot of voters to really make up that kind of a uh, of a margin. I don't see it happening. But, you know, I guess you never say never. For those who say that the writers should not be the only one with votes, how do you respond? Well, I mean, I think there's <laughs> there are problematic issues with any voting body that you would want to put in there. People say players should be voting. Well, players, A, have probably more grudges than writers have. B, are friendlier with players than writers are for sure, so they could be voting for their buddies. And quite honestly, players don't watch the game. Uh, you know, they focus on their game. They're not sitting there watching, uh, you know, a guy on the Yankees isn't watching Mike Trout play every day. They know how great Mike Trout is from that six times a year they play them, but I don't think they're studying the game to the extent that writers do. Broadcasters, yeah, I mean, look, there are some brilliant broadcasters who uh, have made wonderful contributions to the game. They also all work for teams for the most part. Would you want a Yankee broadcaster not voting for Alex Rodriguez, but voting for David Ortiz? And, and would there be some pressure on their part to vote for the guys on the team they, that they work for? There are problematic issues all over the place. The Hall of Fame has decided that the Baseball Writers Association is the is the voting body that they want. If they were to change it, that's on them. And, they, and, and certainly they're willing to do it. I'm sure they've heard all, you know, I shouldn't say willing to do it. Certainly they're, they're enabled to do it if they want to. Uh, and I'm sure they've heard all of the arguments against writers and, and some writers don't vote because they feel like writers shouldn't be making news. They should be covering it. And I understand that as well. You know, I, I fight back a little bit on people who say that writers shouldn't vote for like MVP and Cy Young because those votes, those awards are baseball writers of association awards. So like who's going to vote on the BBWAA awards if not the members of the BBWAA? Uh, the fact that MLB has recognized those as the primary uh, national awards I guess that could change, but I don't think MLB has any interest in doing that either from, you know, from, from what we've seen over the years. But yeah, I don't think there's a perfect answer in terms of if you're not going to have writers vote, who's going to be the voters? You know, somebody said, oh, Hall of Famers should be the voters. You want to see uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Alex Rodriguez get 3% of the vote? Let the Hall of Famers vote. Yeah, really. Mark Feinstein, MLB.com, executive reporter, MLB Network Insider, joins us here on The Fan. Um, Bonds and Clemens, we talked about, they did not get in, but they've been on your ballot for a long time. I checked it this afternoon. Are you disappointed that they were not included? I mean, I'm disappointed just in the fact that Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player I've ever watched play. I covered Roger Clemens. He has more Cy Young awards than any pitcher who's ever pitched. Unlike Manny and Alex, they never failed a test. They never faced any suspension. I'm not saying that they didn't use. I'm not saying that the, all the evidence that's been out there in terms of uh, lawsuits, in terms of the, you know, the Game of Shadows book and all of that, I believe everything I read in that book. Do I think Barry Bonds was a PED user at some point in his career? Absolutely. But I think he was probably playing against a whole lot of guys who were also using, and I'm not excusing it, but 
in the era in which he played, he was the best player in the game. And if you believe everything that's ever been written about him and about Clemens, those guys were Hall of Fame caliber players beforehand. Now, I know some people say, well, then why did they start using it? That they shouldn't have started using it, and that's what they're getting punished for. And I get that. I have full respect for anybody who doesn't vote for those guys. I personally was a voter for them. Uh, I believe that there are people in the Hall of Fame right now that probably use PEDs. And the bottom line is, other than the guys who actually failed tests, we just don't know. It's all just speculation and circumstantial evidence. And I'm just not in a position myself to be the judge and jury on who did or didn't use for those who never failed tests or face discipline. So what do you think? I think it'll be a harder sell, but do you think they get the nod from the, the era or the veterans committee? I don't think Bonds or Clemens or Sosa have a shot with the veterans committee. I mean, Joe Morgan, uh, the late hall of famer sent out an email to all the BBWAA voters four years ago or five years ago, basically saying, please don't vote the PED guys in. We don't want them in the Hall of Fame. There are a lot of Hall of Famers who feel the same way. And those veterans committees uh, are made up of a good portion of it, of Hall of Fame players. I don't see the steroid associated guys getting in on the veterans committee. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if they did. So do you, maybe not, but but do you and, and, and the voters have these conversations or do you kind of cast the votes in, in a vacuum? I mean, we have the conversations, you know, like if we're at dinner and it comes up, something like that. Yeah. When I'm going through my ballot and trying to fill it out, I'm not calling other writers to get their opinions because, uh, you know, one of my friend's opinions might not necessarily be my opinion. And that's why it's my vote. And he has his vote. Or she has her vote. So I don't uh, I don't I don't typically have too many conversations with other voters about these things. For those people who have been voting for a number of years, I know where most of them stand. And there are some who I've uh, had these debates with uh, over a drink or over dinner, but I don't think I'm going to change their mind and they're probably not going to change my mind. So, but you know, that's the beauty of this election is this 400 or whatever the number is every year. You got to get 75% of them. And, and it's really hard to get 75% of that many people to agree on anything, uh, let alone something that has as much emotion and as much, uh, you know, sort of controversy as this. So, you know, like I said, two thirds of the voters voted for Bonds and Clemens and they were still 10% short. So here's where we're going to disagree here, Mark. We're talking about Mark Feinstein, MLB.com, executive reporter on the fan. You tweeted, next year's Hall of Fame ballot includes one first-time candidate who will garner serious consideration, Carlos Beltran, first ballot Hall of Famer in my book. If Bonds and Clemens are not in, Beltran's allowed in? Well, I think so. Uh, again, you're talking to somebody who voted for Bonds yeah. and Clemens. So, uh, you know, Carlos Beltran had a, a brilliant career. He played... I don't know what the total number of seasons was, 17, 18. And the first 16 or 17 of those, he wasn't on the Astros. He wasn't involved in this, this garbage can scandal for that. And he put together a Hall of Fame career uh, during that time. Will the Astros scandal taint him and, and probably cost him some votes? I would imagine so. But I also don't think that it can be really equated to the PED thing. In the PED thing, you're taking drugs that were against the rules in the game, and getting a competitive advantage on your on it because of a decision you made personally. The Beltron thing, he was part of a team. This team decided to do this thing. Clearly, he was one of the people towards the forefront of it. But again, he wasn't suspended. He faced no discipline from the league. And to me, if I'm not going to punish guys who I believe took PEDs, or in some cases I know took PEDs, I'm just not going to let 
let that situation keep me from voting for a guy who I think had a Hall of Fame caliber career that Carlos Beltran did. So here's the debate now, which I'm sure uh, we're going to be talking about here on, on the fan is, OK, so how do you quantify, you know, PD usage versus a system to cheat the entire sport to win a World Series ring? Like, where's the line of demarcation between them? For me, I'm voting Bonds and Clemens. I'm not voting Beltran. That's interesting because to me, the Bonds and Clemens thing reflects directly on them. It was their choice to do this. They knew what it was going to do to help them. And they had a direct advantage over every player they played against because of it. The system thing, I mean, unless it was ever proven and it wasn't, that Carlos Beltran developed the system, implemented the system, and was completely responsible for the entire thing. If that ever came out that that was absolutely the case, maybe I would reconsider, but I just, I just don't, you know, I'm not going to exclude every member of the 2017 Astros from ever being considered for the hall of fame because of that. Uh, and like I said, Carlos Beltran, other than winning the world series ring that year, if Carlos Beltran had retired the previous season and never won that world series ring with the Astros in 2017, and his entire resume was 1999 through 2016, he'd be a hall of famer to me anyway. So the world series ring, even if, if I discount the World Series ring as being tainted, I, I just think he had a, a brilliant career. And I, I think he is a Hall of Fame caliber player who should get in. Will he get in next year? I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how uh, voters look at the Astros situation and hold it against them. But you know what? It's good because Bonds and Clemens and Sosa are off the ballot after you know as of this year. So it gives us something else to, to yell at each other about on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. And finally, um, we've got a, 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 a pin tweet from you. I'm sure I'll talk to you before then, but by Mark Feinstein, we've got a book coming out. Tell us about it. And can you please send me a copy of it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's called The Franchise, New York Yankees. It's a, sort of a history of the team told in a, a series of essays about different aspects of their of their history. It's from Triumph Books. It's coming out in June. I'm very excited uh, Joe Torrey wrote the forward for me, which was really exciting. And it basically looks at, you know, the the best players in team history. The, there's a whole section on the captains. There's a section on the architects, uh, you know, the GMs, the owners, and the managers. There's a section on the game winners, the, you know, the biggest hits in franchise history, whether I'm talking about Chris Chambliss or Bucky Dent, Aaron Boone, et cetera. And there's a whole section on acquisitions, some of the bigger trades and free agents, you know, Randy Jackson, Dave Winfield, Paul O'Neill, Mike Mussina guys like that, Jason Giambi, uh, you know, it, it, it goes through the whole history of the team. It probably skews a little more towards the past 30 or 40 years because um, I wasn't able to get DiMaggio or Ruth or Mantle on the phone to talk to them for the book. But obviously I was able to get guys like Dave Winfield and, and Mike Mussina and Jason Giambi on the phone uh, and or on Zoom and, and, you know, get together with them and sort of go back and, and relive their careers with the Yankees and uh, some big moments. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It should be a lot of fun. And like I said, it comes out in June. So I'm sure we will uh, speak a little more about it between now and then. I'm sure. And really, you couldn't get DiMaggio on the phone, huh? I tried. I tried. You wouldn't <laughs> answer. <laughs> All right, Mark Feinstein, thanks so much for making some time for us in this very busy time um, in MLB baseball. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Welcome back to McCartan Afternoon Time now here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Daniel McCartan, taking you all the way up for another half an hour to Nets 
pregame here, right here on WFAN. 660 AM, 101.9 FM, and streaming live on the uh, WFAN.com and the free Odyssey app. (sighs) Wow, what a day it's been in the NFL. Because you look at this morning, uh, I'm I'm, I'm in the hotel room and I'm preparing my stuff. And around, I don't know, 10.45 this morning, there's a story that comes out. You know, Jason LaConfora kind of kicked off the rumor mill saying that, that a Tom Brady decision was likely to come this upcoming week. And then by 2.45, the cat was really out of the bag when Adam Schefter tweeted out that Tom Brady Brady is, in fact, retiring. So I'm like, okay, all right, Tom Brady, seven Super Bowl wins, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, career touchdown pass leader, career passing yards leader. He calls it a career after 22 NFL seasons, which is a great run, the whole thing, right? Probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Definitely the greatest one that I've ever seen. I'm 33 years old, and I'm you know I'm getting ready. I'm uh, compiling some tweets. Patrick Mahomes put a put a goat emoji out there. You know I'm compiling some tweets and everything. I'm like, all right, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be one of those shows tonight, right? And then you know I stumbled across something, and I Tom Brady was 31 and eight against the Jets for his entire career. 31 and eight, and that. Literally inflicted a lifetime of pain for Jets fans around my age. <laughs> Literally. Uh, like A real lifetime of pain. Thank you, Mo Lewis, right? And then the Giants fans, conversely, can say, thanks for the memories, Tom. Because guess what? They could just point to their two most recent Super Bowl trophies and say, yeah, we beat Tom Brady to get these two Super Bowl trophies and two Super Bowl rings. So it's kind of like the tale of two cities here, right? So... All right, I'm out, and then I start thinking in my okay. I want to be the first to, to to say okay. What what's next for the Bucks? So I'm thinking like okay, all right. A uh, could they take a new start at quarterback in, in in the draft? I mean, probably unlikely because they have the 27th overall pick. It's in a draft that's not known for quarterbacks. Okay, but then again, Brady himself was 199. Then my cousin, who's a Bucks fan who lives near Tampa, he texted me and he was like. We would like Aaron Rodgers to slide right in there and bring Adams with him. I'm like, okay, that's easy, right? Then I quickly glanced at the cap the cap space for the Bucks, and especially if Gronk retires too, along with him, Tampa Bay could definitely afford Aaron Rodgers. It would have to come via trade, though, but keep that in mind. And then it's like the record scratch, like, like or, or, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Apparently, he's not leaving. So before I, I had uh, Connor play the uh, the from uh, Wolf of Wall Street when he announces, "I'm not leaving." Apparently, Tom Brady must have watched that movie today. He's he, he said, and now there's three more reports that come out and say that he's not leaving. What do you believe? Is Tom Brady done? Did Adam Schefter just leak it too early? Did Tom Brady want to be the one to break the internet, or is he really going to be back? For- Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. DJ Paulie R. Paulie Rosenberg has got 
Darude's sandstorm in a snowstorm. Well, the snow's over here on the bed in New York City. Hope everybody's staying safe. If you've got a plow in front of your vehicle right now, thank you. On behalf of half of all of us that drive on these roads, check in for the plow drivers, DPW drivers, probably on no sleep. Thank you for all that you do. Hey, hey, did you guys see that the Giants uh, draft disaster Eli Apple's at it again on Twitter? Oh, yeah, Eli Apple who was drafted 10th overall by the Giants in 2016. That guy, the one that now plays for the Bengals, didn't even get his own mother tickets to the NFC Championship game tomorrow. What? So she was complaining on Twitter about the ticket prices to the game being too high. And someone responded to her and said, tell Eli to pay for it. To which Eli Apple responded, mama can watch from the crib. What? Then their fight continued on Twitter, and he actually told her to go to bed. Then the mom deleted her entire Twitter account, and this is the same mother that dropped off her baby Eli Apple at the Giants facility on his first day in the league. Then Apple brought it to Giants fans, saying, I don't know which fan base I hate more. Probably the Saints, but it's close with the Giants. It's a toss-up. Giants reporters hate me more, too. And then a Giants fan, one that maybe might even be listening right now to the show, at Fluffy Tro, he said, the feeling's mutual. What a waste of a draft pick. To which Eli Apple responded, when's that Giants playoff game start? I hope Eli Apple gets absolutely torched by DeMar Tays tomorrow. What a loser with a capital L. What a loser Eli Apple is. Jamar Chase, please, on behalf of Giants Nation, torch him tomorrow. Gus in Ridgewood. Ridgewood, New Jersey it is, Gus. Actually, it's Ridgewood, Queens. Oh, Ridgewood, Queens. But, uh, I was going to say, Jersey, that's by me. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. No worries. I'm actually out there all the time, Danielle. But by the way, you're doing a hell of a job. Thank you. I just keep, just keep up the great work. Thank you. Um, thanks for breaking the Eli Apple situation. I did not even realize that was the case. I was kind of hoping that Joe Burrow would make it to his first Super Bowl. But after hearing that, no. Me Screw too. That. Casey. Yes. All the way. Yes. What a, what a loser. I mean, who's – come on. Talk about letting bygones be bygones. He was a bust. He was a draft bust. Own it. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but what are you what are you gonna do? That's uh, unfortunately the state of the NFL these days. Speaking of which, I do have a theory about Tom Brady's uh, so-called uh, retirement. Mm. I think that I think that because of the way things have played out today, I think that what's gonna happen is that yes, there was a call for a retirement, but I think Brady's gonna come back and do one more year. However. I don't think he's going to announce that this is his last year. I think he's going to go out on his own terms and say that this is his last year after it's over because I don't know if he wants, like, the retirement tour and all of that. He doesn't. I, so much I did read that, that, that he does not want the whole tour, the rigmarole. He does not want it. This is what I've read. Exactly. I will say this, though. As a Giants fan, I will be the first to admit that he is the greatest quarterback of all time, regardless of what has uh, happened in New England and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And... Him winning a championship with the Bucks last year, I think, proved overall that it was him who carried that team, and it wasn't Belichick and uh, their shenanigans. Uh, I do have to admit that. But that being said, Daniel, thank you again for uh, having me on the fan, and I look forward to listening to you more. Yeah, Gus, I'll be up uh, next next weekend, twice. So. Looking forward to it. Many blessings. <laughs> and thank you, Gus. I appreciate that. Um, that could be one thing, but then I, I, I don't know. Like, Then why, if you don't want the tour – then why have the leak? Then just, you know, who who would you tell? 
your family, right? If you don't want the leak, you would keep it airtight and just tell your family. Unless Giselle's going out and linking this information. I don't know. I just don't see him. I don't see him coming back. I really do think that he hurt his arm in that last game. And in Tom Brady fashion, didn't tell anybody about it. And, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think he is done. And I think he's just upset that the news got out there. And now I think he's going back to the drawing board and assessing whether or not he will come back or not. But the thing is, with Tom Brady, he um, he kind of plugged himself. He, he plugged and played himself, right? Right into that box. The, the offensive line was set. The, the weapons were there. Jameis Winston clearly wasn't cutting it for that team. And Tom Brady came in and saved the day for the Bucks, Or else that would have been an, a wasted opportunity without Tom Brady. Now, if you plug and play Tom Brady on this, this Giants team, for example, it, it, it's not going to work. This team is not one quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. So any bogus calls or tweets that I get about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers coming to the Giants, you can go ahead and forget about it. You're not being honest with yourself. As a, if you're a Giant fan saying that, you're not being honest with yourself about evaluating where your team currently stands right now. This team is not going to, not poised to, make the playoffs next season. If they do, it's a bonus. Next season is about evaluating that quarterback under a brand new scheme with hopefully one or two brand new offensive linemen to protect him. Studs. First round studs to protect him. We are rolling along up until Brooklyn Nets pregame in about 10 minutes. So that means we've got about 10 minutes left of the show. 877-337-6666. We'll do a mishmash of things. Brady, Dable, Shane, uh, Joe Shane, any any of it. Any of it and all of it. Uh, maybe your predictions for NFC uh, NFL Championship Weekend, which is tomorrow, by the way. Uh, bring it all to me in the final 10 minutes of the show. 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN. Welcome back to McCartan after dinner now here on the fan in New York City. McCartan before midnight. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight, everybody. Got a few minutes if you want to get last last licks. Get your last licks in here at 877-337-6666. Also, too, if, if you were one of the 18,006 people at the full capacity Madison Square Garden last night for the Henrik Lundqvist ceremony, I would love to hear from you. And, uh, I have to. I missed. I misspoke before. I have to correct something that I said. So, uh, thank you to EGL67 on Twitter for pointing it out. Uh, when I told that Eli Apple story, and I said, "Oh, I hope Jamar Chase burns him." That that's a total miss. They're obviously on the same team. What I meant was Tyreek Hill. I hope Tyreek Hill burns Eli Apple. That's my bad. I'm owning it. I hope Tyreek Hill burns Eli Apple because you saw how he torched that. Bills defense last year, last week, the number one defense in the league that defense was, and how pedestrian Patrick Mahomes and company made them look. So, Eli Apple, you're going to be so rude and so bad to your mom. Tell her to watch the game from the crib that you aren't even giving her a ticket to the game, your NFC championship game, uh, AFC championship game. Come on, man. I hope he has the worst game of his life. That is so bad. That is just so bad. And for once, for one time, I'm rooting for Tyreek Hill. And with his past, that is why I'm not a Tyreek Hill fan. But for the this one game, oh, I hope he torches. I hope he torches Eli Apple in this game. 
And so we will see if uh, if Tom Brady is actually going to retire or not. I'm leaning towards yes, even still. I just think he wanted to be the guy to break the internet. I got a tweet from Archie McMurdo, and he said, Great show. I like the, po- the positivity about Dable. It's like the X-Files. I want to believe. I think good things are going to happen next season. The record will greatly improve, and the offense will be much better. So I wrote back to him, Archie, and I wrote, Thanks so much. And yes, the good thing, if you're a Giant fan, you'd likely know if you have your quarterback or not. And the general manager, Joe Shane, in his opening press conference said that he is going to put his quarterback, he's going to figure out what he does well and put him and scheme for him in the to put him in the best possible scenario. And there's nothing more that uh, that, that you want to hear from a GM. Okay, because then... If you don't have a quarterback, then you've given your GM a whole season to be able to go out and, and and scout the guy that he wants and head coach as well. So we'll see. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you all, every single one of you. I come, I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, we got that, uh, that bonus hour today. Hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show at 5 p.m. Great job to Connor Green and to Paul Rosenberg behind the glass tonight. And also to Erica Herskowitz on the updates. I will see you next Friday night into Saturday morning from 12 midnight till 2 a.m. That is Friday into Saturday and again on Sunday. But I'll tweet that during the week. In the meantime, to get that notification, hit my socials at Coach McCartan on Twitter, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and Instagram as well. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. We'll keep the conversation going. Brooklyn Nets pregame with Chris Carino and Tim Capshaw up here on The Fan next. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN.